Hello, this is Michael Zuber, and I wanted to thank you for choosing to spend a little time with one rental at a time. My life's mission is to help investors close 1 million rental properties. In order to tackle this crazy goal, I will need your help. If you like this episode or any of the content we produce, please share it on social media. If you get one of my books or perhaps one of our 500 cards, please take a selfie and tag one rental at a time. Now on with the show. All right. Well, we're expecting to see live with what we're seeing. Okay. So what's going on, boys? I think I might have made this work. And I'm just a sales guy. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Super and dangerous. The good news is, is that we are live. We can see the questions that are coming in. Oh, we can? So cool. what we will see is we will see the live stream behind us, uh, or I'll see it in the studio. But we'll see that that's about 20 seconds behind, but that's okay because yeah, there we go. We're in it. We're on it. We're making it happen. Lumberjack did it. Oh, I was so freaking flipping out if this was going to work. <laughs> My Christmas miracle came early. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad I was a part of it. Yeah. So guys, this is a live stream and we're doing it. We're doing it. We're doing it right. So guys, good morning. This is the three amigos. Super pumped to have us all here. First of all, Merry Christmas, my dudes. Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas to you too, to everybody. Yeah, to everybody. Everybody watching, hanging out with us on Christmas Eve. Yep, we get to see. Now I'm just getting to see all this stuff. And man, we got a bunch of good questions already. Holy cow. I'm going to need to get a second monitor sometime soon. That is definitely in the budget. Um, <laughs> well, in, but, in this uh, method, it works pretty good to pull it up on your phone. So you yeah. can see yes. the chat as they come in. The good news is. I've got enough real estate on my big monitor where I can still see all of us and, and all the questions. It's because nice. I think you're so, a secret gamer and you just don't tell anybody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if there's ever a trivia question about the original Star Wars, Dion, I'm your dude. Yeah. I'm your dude. I In commemoration one year of my birthday, when I was a teenager, I watched, because I was born in the year 1977 when the movie came out, I watched it 77 times that summer. So, so this is my actual, I'm in my office today. This is yeah, my actual lighter. desk. That's my phone. Oh, shut up. <laughs> yeah. It's Bluetooth, hooks to everything, and then it plays. It might be really loud, but this is my exit music when I leave every day. <laughs> you guys, that's magnificent. My poor office staff. It plays for three minutes when I leave. So what I'm actually, so I might not get a Lambo and I might just wait and save up for a TIE fighter. Oh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Except there's no place to park the TIE fighter, you know? I mean, so, you know, it's very- So you got to buy more real estate. I was yeah. going to say, yeah. Clearly I need an airport hangar. Yeah, exactly. That was something I was looking at for about six months. And I was like, what am I doing? I just need a place to land a helicopter. Yeah. <laughs> Silly me. So guys, we've got questions. We've got people jumping in. Um, so super excited to have us here together for this live stream. No pressure, but I did set it up for two hours just in case. I know that we, you know, especially if, uh, if somebody talks to me about a certain channel, I can go for two hours. Um, the live stream, Mr. and Mrs. Lumberjack was a lot of fun last night. Dan, thanks for showing up. No, I think you guys um, did great. It was, it was really good. You guys went into some detail on questions that I, I think that it's really hard to make a video thinking and coming up with content where people that are learning this need to hear this. But when the question comes up and it sparks the conversation, it's the perfect format to learn from. Yeah. Yeah, completely. I, I, we love it. It's been, um, 
it's been awesome. We've actually had couples showing up and people sharing it with husbands and wives and it's awesome. I love it. So really, really, really cool. So um, let's jump into the highs and, and stuff real quick, and then we'll cover mm-hmm. any topics you guys want to cover. But uh, Theta Hedge Capital, howdy, happy holidays to you guys and your families. Thank you, Theta Hedge. Uh, John Texas, Merry Christmas. Um, Dion Financial Talk, hey, well, hey, howdy. Um, <laughs> Wolfmaster82, Merry Christmas. Uh, Brent Denner, Merry Christmas, three amigos. Jeremiel. Uh, Diaz, happy holidays, three amigos. Dan Hunter, hello. Thanks for spending your Christmas Eve with us. We're happy to do it. Um, if not, we'd probably be doing this private and just hanging out. <laughs> That's what kind of works. Um, Chester Williams, good afternoon, gentlemen. Rob, howdy. Chester Williams, uh, this will be on in uh, BG for a little bit. Oh, background. Merry Christmas. Yep. Yep. Good. Hey, you know what? Nothing like inviting people over for Christmas Eve and having them get a real estate education in the process. Uh, Jermiel Diaz, awesome phone. See, already fans of the TIE fighter, Dion. <laughs> uh, Anthony Rosales, good morning from Mike's channel to the Lumberjacks to Dio's. Let's do it. I agree. Let's do it to it. So, Michael, I watched, um, I watched your daily financial news this morning. Mm-hmm. It was good. Any other thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Well, I think there's a couple of things going on. First, um, new home sales are kind of the interesting tidbit today. Uh, but again, if people are watching my daily shows, we should have expected it, right? What have the, yeah. what have the new home builders been telling us? They're slowing down. Yeah. Inflation is real. Yeah. Dead days are real. Not enough labor. Not enough lots. Well, guess what? You put all of that together, you probably should expect transactions to go down. Yep. So transactions, folks, were down 14%, I think. Kind of sounds scary until you realize that values are up 18% or 19%. (laughs) Yeah. So Mike, one of the things that we were asked on the live stream last night was, uh, Matt, what's your forecast for 2022? Mm. And so I was very bold and I said, um, prices up, rates up, Mm -hmm. rents up, Mm -hmm. inventory up, Mm -hmm. um, and mortgage terms up. What do you mean by that? 40 year, you mean? Yep. Okay. We get, we get a, we get a 40 for sure. And, and, and potentially a reunion tour with adjustable rate mortgages. (laughs) Oh, I know. That's really scary to think about. Yeah. The fact that uh, bankers now are pushing again, not all bankers are this way, but enough of them are, in my opinion, for this statement to be true. Uh, And and first and foremost, all companies are in business to make a profit. I just, I'm just saying. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Throwing the heat on Christmas Eve, Mike. Whoa, Michael, that's that's yeah. crazy. <laughs> and if we don't know by now, banks make money when they originate loans. There's a lot of fees. They don't make loans holding them for 30 years. They just don't. And it's really hard to make money when you're giving away rates at 3, 3%. It's just tough. And I think banks are forecasting. Uh, the only thing that you didn't say in your forecast next year are transactions. I think transactions are down. Yeah, I agree. And that means less loans. And oh, by the way, if you watch me and Matt, the mortgage guy, you know that uh, I think he said it was 72% of loans have been originated in the last two years. That means refis are going to be down. Absolutely. Huge. Of course. So if you are a big box uh, technology-based mortgage company, you are going to lose you're gonna you're gonna lay off a lot of people. Better.com is not oh, the yeah. it might might have been the first, but won't be the last. 
um, you know, it's, 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 it's going to be a very tough business to be a mortgage broker because a lot of you got fat, dumb and happy and lazy. It was a good time while a good time. And uh, guess what? The party's over. And I think the same is for real estate agents. I think a lot of real estate agents, um, there's a lot more of them now than there were two years ago. Mm-hmm. The easiest thing to do was list and sell. It's going to be a different market. So I think transactions are down. Everything else you said, I think is a layup, frankly, but so I do there, think transactions are down. Yeah, there's one aspect that people haven't thought of as, as you know, Mike said, the, the evil side of business is that you're trying to make money. Mm-hmm. So it might not be good for lenders in the next six months to a year, but here's a thing that investors really haven't thought of. And this is something I get from owning and operating a business. So I'll relate running that business to running a portfolio. Right now we're seeing inflation. And most people just say things are costing more because of X, Y, Z. And what they're forgetting is that a lot of this inflation is due to bottlenecks. Yeah. Fuel prices doubled uh, 250% because we close a pipeline. Not because there's less fuel or because there's more demand. It's because the, the source of the fuel got limited. So I run a truck driving school. Fuel prices go up. Prices go up. We've had two price increases in the last year. First time in 10 years. We haven't touched prices in literally a decade. But because of so much inflation, wage inflation, or we've done a 20% raise across the board. We've fuel costs. Wow, more. 20 points. Right. So... Uh, you know, we were in Washington state, the person sitting at home on unemployment was making $720 a week. How do you compete with that? Mm. To, draw, to draw people off of the couch into work, you had to compete <coughs> with $75,000 a year to sit on unemployment. Wow. Yeah. So that, that is a bottleneck. That extended and extra unemployment only lasted for the year. It's not going to happen <coughs> next year. So businesses are increasing prices. Property portfolios, we've talked about it several times. Rent increases are 20 to 40%. I talked about it yesterday. I had just had Section 8 add $360 to a tenant where they had previously said, we're not going to budge. And when I showed them what rents were happening in the area, because they go off of historical data, and they saw, well, that's the current rents, they raised it for me with no, they sent the confirmation email through which is a letter, which is here. So prices go up like rockets, they don't come down. No, that's Next called, year, that's so called inelastic. Yeah. Property, um, paying a handyman costs more. Your taxes went up this year. All of those things that factored into rents going up, wage, wage inflation happened, causing rents to go up. Next year, when, if, if fuel prices come down, rents are going to come down. If, if <clears> rates <throat> go up and it costs more money to buy prop to purchase a property that you have to invest, rents aren't going to come down. So the people who own <clears throat> currently the, the appreciating assets are going to win last year, this year, and next year, mm-hmm. definitely. Yeah, there's no question. Absolutely yep. right. I agree. Um, so we got some questions, boys. Uh, so Journal uh, Diaz, I was thinking of purchasing long-term hold with hard money, then burring out in a couple of months, but is there any way around the six-month seasoning period to pay it back sooner? I think we're looking at refer to the paperwork, right? Because usually there isn't. And I mean, they, the well, guys... it, it depends on how, how it depends on what you need, right? Most people doing this want to get all their money back. If your goal is to get all your money back, then you got to wait six months seizing period. That's what FHA and all the lenders want. Correct. However, if you're in a state where you just need to purchase money back and you don't care about the repairs, right? That's, it's, you just got to look at the process, right? If, if you, if you want to get the value of the burr, right? The repair mm-hmm. and you want that, you have to have a seasoning period. Mm-hmm. You certainly could go to a non-QM lender, 
but then you're not going to get the best rate. So it's like, what do you want? Do you want the money back a little sooner or do you want to, what you want the cheapest debt? The problem is rates are going up, right? So you, you talk to a non-QM lender where I got loans at 3.99, now they're four and a quarter, right? They're already adjusting rates. So um, if you can go to a non-QM lender like Velocity Mortgage that I talk to every Friday, if you take copious documented notes of what you did, like receipts, mm -hmm. um, they could do a valuation based on purchase and upgrades in less than six months. But again, it's give and take. Do you want the best rate? Do you want your first 10? You want to go to Matt, the mortgage guy? Well, then you got to wait. The rules of the game, you got to wait six months. If you want the money back faster and you pay a higher rate, go non-QM. So every, lots of people want both. I want all my money back and the lowest rate. Well, yeah. six months. You, you can't have everything. And, and if I can then, give... Then you're likely... Go ahead, go ahead Matt. Then, then you're likely rate risk, right? Mike? Yep, exactly. I mean, six months, yeah. that, that's falling that's, into... That's June, one, July. two. Yeah, two rate, yeah, right? not, yeah that's, that'd, be, that'd be my concern. Go ahead, Dion. Right. So, and this is the most common mistake that people make with the Burr method. Mm -hmm. When you purchase a property, you look at the comps and you think the, you know, this is four units or less. So five units or more, yeah, it's, it's on not upwarding income, but four units or less you base on comps. When you're buying a property, it's, it's a little easier to get the appraisal at your asking value because the appraiser has a, an actual human right now today with an offer in hand saying, I want to pay this amount of money for that property. So that factors in. When you go to do the Burr method, there is not an offer to buy the property for your offer price of what you're asking to refinance out. You bought it reduced, even though it needed work. So the appraiser is generally going to use comps from six months before your purchase price, not from when you go to refinance, but six months before your purchase, when you acquired the property. So if we've seen a great amount of appreciation in that six months before you acquired the property, you're probably gonna come under on your appraisal. So a lot of people think, I found a horrible appraiser, he won't give me what the comps are. Correct, there isn't somebody buying your property. That yeah. would change what the appraisal would be. So yeah. be really careful that you're, you're estimating a good buffer in there with comps based on what they were six months ago, not yep. what you're expecting them to be six months from now. Yeah, most burrs blow up because you uh, don't understand that a purchase money appraisal is different than a refi appraisal, and they are markably different. And That's where be, most people blow up. If you're still doing your work every single day like you should be, you mm -hmm. will likely be tracking in your spreadsheet what properties like that are now closing and selling for. You must, must, must under no circumstances should you ever go out to an appraisal appointment where you do not carry at least two comps with you. Period, end of story. It's not even a question. All the time, I'm talking through that refi when that guy's there and saying, yeah, I think, you know, how this compares to that other one. And I'm constantly comparing them to the two comps that I brought. Because the only thing I want them thinking when they walk out that door is, man, this guy knows his market cold. He all already brought two comps. How can I not at least use those two and maybe add another one or two, but how can I not at least use those two? I have been through this process of cash out refis. I have done it almost 30 times. And that is my process every single time. It never deviates from that. And that's why I think maybe in all of those times I've been disappointed with the refi twice. And, and, and I was able to prove in both cases that both of those appraisers didn't do their job. Mm. I actually did a better job than they did in assessing what my property is worth. And so I told the bank, I said, listen, next time, don't charge me the thousand bucks. I'll take care of it. And I'll give you a report on what my property is worth. And they laughed and they said, we're not going to do that. And I said, yeah, really? that's not they our said, process. They said, you're such a bank. You're so rigid. <laughs> um, all right. So the next one, uh, Rob, uh, this one's to Michael. 
Oh, uh, get ready to getting ready to close on my SD duplex and inheriting tenants. Mm -hmm. I will be doing no cause eviction in March when the lease is up. Should I let them know now or just notifying at 60 day? Um, given that you're buying the property, I don't think I would be in a rush to notify them. You don't know what you've got yet. Uh, I don't think I would notify them. I mean, if these were tenants and I owned it for a year or something, I think I would give them a heads up, you know, because you have that relationship. Today, you're essentially buying a building and getting tenants. Yep. Uh, I would certainly wait because you just don't know what you have. Yep, I agree. I would wait. I would wait. Dion, any thoughts on this? I'm torn, actually. So yeah. I try to nice give as much notice as, much as possible up. because if exactly. the person moves out sooner, then I can up my, my timeline on when I do the rehab, when I get the new tenants in there. Mm -hmm. um, personally, I would use the binder strategy and keep the tenants have them raise the rent without me having to do the rehab, but I'm super mm -hmm. lazy and it works for me. The, the problem with giving them as much early notice as you can, and it's not a no fault eviction, it's a non-renewal of lease. You're saying the lease is ended, we're not renewing. So there's no right. eviction, no court process or anything. Mm -hmm. That's when you could trigger the person going, fine, don't renew the lease. And I'm stopping paying now because I've got to save for a few months to have my deposit and everything. So if you can't handle a few months without rent, <clears throat> more than you might need to, I would wait until the 60 days. Mm -hmm. So what I have done in this particular case is I have actually done the binder strategy as the way to get them out. <clears throat> I said, I, I, hey, go, ahead. go ahead. I was going to say, so what I did was I basically said to them, this is what the number is going to be. And instead of, and saying, and then I use other market rents to support a really high number. And I said, this is what the market is going to be on this unit. Um, so I wanted to make sure to have that conversation with you now and, you know, let me know what, what your guys thoughts are on that and, and what you think we might be able to work out. Yeah. The other thing we don't know about this scenario, I was just reading it again. Please. Um, maybe he's going to evict him because he wants to remodel the unit. So binder strategy right. doesn't work, you know? Well, it only, but here's the reason I do it right mm -hmm. to Dion's point. I might not want to spend 10 G's or yeah, it's true. on the unit. Yeah, so no, no. If I can get them to pay the number that I'm thinking I might get with it, with it done. Yeah, no repair. Yeah. Yeah. You win. Bring it double on. win. Cool. You can stay. Yeah. Right. So recently I did a post in a Facebook group um, where I normally just go there and listen and I don't talk because they're pretty rough in there. It's called <laughs> fat fire. So fat fire on oh. Facebook is supposedly the rich people when they talk to each other. So I just kind of listen. It's kind of entertaining. Fat I fire? put the binder strategy in there and I was like, look, like, I think you, you have rentals crash a party. I'm going yeah, like, to look that up rentals, right Here's a way to get your rents to go up. And the trolls come out of the woodwork and just attack you and just say, it, all kinds of horrible, cool things that I'm going to save and say to someone else in the future. But uh, <laughs> you're going to save and tell somebody else. People say things it's like, "Well, what do you do if the tenant insulting. doesn't ask for the rent to go up?" Well, it's never happened. And then they say, "Well, what if they won't ask for the rent to go up?" Then you're in Matt's shoes. You're like, "Well, that's what I needed it to be, so now I'm not going to renew your lease." Exactly. I've never seen it, and it's never happened with an investor that I've worked with. But the worst case scenario, if it blew up in your face, is you are where most landlords start from where you're just telling the tenant there's either going to be an increase or you have to move out. And uh, so maybe both options are here for this question. See what they yeah. would pay before you don't renew. They might put it where he wants it and he doesn't have to spend the money on the rehab. Maybe. Yeah. I, I had a unit that we just did this on and I got a hundred bucks less than my number and it was yeah. going to be a $15,000 rent out. Yeah, but the key is again, he's talking about so he's he knows he has to give notice at 60 days. Yep. If he wants them gone. 
Right. But so he's going to close this call it January 1st. So sure. he's basically saying, do I tell him in January, which is 90 days early? Yep. Or do I wait till February 1st? My answer is you don't know what you got in January. Agreed. Just agreed. I, I would, you know, if, like what I would do is, is I would still, I would do it probably a week before the 60. Sure. Do the binder a week before the 60 and then see, because even three weeks, like. Yeah. We, I sent out my, I actually have a letter that I just did because we got, we had to do a bunch of notification of where your new landlord, we actually just mm. closed on a deal on Wednesday. So we nice. had to do a bunch of that stuff. And so I'm, I'm actually going to send that out to a bunch of folks. Oh yeah. Thanks. Is that the one that took you over a hundred? That is the one. No, the, I, the one I have two under agreement that takes me over the hundred. That one that I bought is the Lamborghini house. And I'm wearing my Ferrari sweatshirt. And just so you know, the only Ferrari I own is this. <laughs> Thank God for having a tenant that worked in the store that sells this gear. There you go. <laughs> She's like, hey, you like cars, right? I was like, I do. She goes, I can get you my discount on a Ferrari sweatshirt if you want. I was like, I do. Take it off your rent. Well done. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's good. It's good. All right. So but a bunch of good questions too coming out. All right. So um, all right, that was Mike's uh Nakodon Don from, from uh, Colorado. Merry Christmas to everybody. Merry Christmas, Don. Chester Williams, Matt, you and Ashley knocked it out of the park. I'd like both Michael and Dion's take on the long-term debt cycle. I agree with Matt's assessment that everything is up but transactions and refis. So what are your guys' assessments? I think we covered a little bit, but let's dive in. Michael. Oh, Michael. Uh, so again, the long-term debt cycle, are we talking about, or are we talking about my forecast for 2022? Long-term long debt cycle. And, and uh, so he, yeah, he wasn't forecast for 2022. It was more kind of long-term debt cycle, kind of what your guys' thoughts are on that. Yeah. So when, when I hear people say that now, and again, I don't have the context of yesterday's conversation. I think they're talking about Ray Dalio and yeah. his concern, yep. right? So exactly. I, I read his first book, Thick Read, and I'm an econ guy. I'm into his second book about 25%. It's um, he, he has an opinion and his data is all his data seems to be skewing that way, which always makes me nervous. Right. It's like always buy gold, Peter Schiff. Like there's never been a time not to buy gold, Peter Schiff, like ever. Like, are you sure? So th those things concern me. That said, as I said on the daily financial news this morning, I believe there is a price to pay for, for adding 40% to M2, which is called the money supply in the last 20 to 24 months. I believe a lot of that has to be extracted. It'll either be extracted via inflation, taxes, or losses, or all of them. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> or all of them. So I am, I am certainly <clears throat> concerned. Uh, again, this morning, I think on my live stream, I talked about rates are going up. Is, is, are we going to see a repeat of the 80s in Paul Volcker, right? And again, if you didn't see that, rates basically went from 8 to 16%. So do I think rates are going to 16%? Of course not. All right, well, rates went up 800 basis points. Do I think rates go from three to 11? Of course not. But the last one, rates doubled. They went from eight to 16. Can rates, and again, I'm talking mortgage rates, but you can insert any rate here you want. Can mortgage rates go from three to six? Yes. I think yes. Yes. And I think that has ramifications. I think there's a lot of zombie debt, a lot of corporate debt, a lot of variable rate debt. That's why I spent all of 2021 getting out of variable rate debt on purpose with focus and intention. Uh, I think rates go to 6%, the economy stops. 
I think I think Jerome Powell has to cause a recession. I think he needs a recession, and I unfortunately think it needs to be a long recession, meaning three, four quarters, because I don't think you can have that much dollars created without lots of bad stuff happening. And one way out is to cause a recession, which means pain, which means we take the $1.3 trillion in excess savings and burn it off. It's, I am, and again, I think I've been saying this the last six months, I'm not particularly excited about 2022 from a business cycle. I think we are going to be raising rates into a recession, which is like unheard of. But then again, stopping an economy and dumping 40% of the dollars is unheard of as well. So I think I think the pain needs to be a problem. But the long-term debt cycle, like generational stuff, I'm not sure I buy into Ray Dalio's. But again, I'm only 25% through. But that said, I only worry about the short term. And I think there's a recession. It may 2022 may be too soon, but I wouldn't, I'd be shocked if there's not one by 2023. So that's my thoughts. Okay. Yeah. So I'm glad Mike's here because I want to ask a couple questions of an econ guy because I'm not an econ guy. When it comes to long-term debt cycle, I have the complete layman opinion of if you have 30-year fixed rate debt, things are costing more, rents are going up, but your mortgage stays the same, you're winning. You go to an adjustable rate mortgage, long-term debt cycle, you're screwed. Like that's the technical professional, professional opinion. I think that is exactly correct. Clinical diagnosis, but, perfectly done. But let's step it back one step further to remember it's hard to remember what it's like to not know something. So here's a concept that not a lot of people have thought. Mm. Mike, econ guy. If a bank is charging you 4% interest on a mortgage loan, what percentage of that is their profit? Because the Fed sets a rate. So from that rate to what the mortgage is, about, about what do you think that would be? 1%, 1.5%? It's, it's between one and a half and 2%. And again, they, they move that around based on how nervous or scared. Because again, inside profit is loan loss reserves. Right. Correct. So again, so it's somewhere between one and a half and 2% usually. Okay. So, and then it's also based on competition. Of if course. This bank says we're going to charge this. This bank says, well, we could squeeze our margins down here and be at least competitive. That's right? right. So mm-hmm. they're, yeah, they're yeah. playing with their, what they're going to profit. Yeah. If a bank is charging you 8% interest, mm-hmm. how much of that is profit? It would probably 1% be on the, to one and a half percent. It'd probably be on the high side of that, I would guess. Because again, it'd if we're going to because it scales. Yeah, it'd be. It's okay. still. I don't. Th- I don't believe that banks' profits. I, I can go back and look at this and make sure, but I'd be shocked if it ever got above three percent because of competition. Right. right. So it, when we were paying 18 percent in the seventies and eighties, the feds had set a rate. Of course, banks were playing with what they could to profit against competition mm-hmm. and against whatever their fears were. But most people who have looked at mortgages think. Right now, I want to get it because the banks are only charging me 3.5%. Right. If the bank starts charging me 8%, the bank's making a billion dollars and I'm paying. No, no, no. The feds are setting a rate and the banks are playing with the same margin. So when you look at the long-term debt cycle, where the feds set the rates affects how the fed repays its debt, mm-hmm. not how the banks make money and not how we're, I mean, it impacts us, but that's the way I look at it. And that's not an econ guy. That's yeah, you know, I had my- the, the little wrinkle in all of that is you've actually touched on it, but I want to highlight it, folks. When people talk about the long-term debt cycle, what I don't think most people realize is most long-term debt is actually variable. The Fed's debt, generally speaking, is what they call short-term. The Fed is constantly churning their debt, right? The something that the Fed should have done February, March of 2020, and I said this, they should have issued 100-year debt because the world was scarce, 
The world was scared. There was all this money coming out of assets, right? The market fell 30%. That was the time to issue 100-year debt at zero. Or shoot, probably could have done negative. But here we'll talk zero. Unfortunately, the Fed continued what it did. It's 90-day debt. You know, Long-term for the Fed is a year. Mm-hmm. So a lot of our debt, a lot of company debt is, is short or variable. Uh, that's why I personally hate all of that because it's it, when you bring interest rate risk into your portfolio or into your business or into the government, oh my God, bad things happen when the economy shifts. That's right. There was no, there was not a ride that I enjoyed less than going through the process on my seven refis and not locking in the very beginning. I had to ride it and it was horrible. And it was, I mean, it went and it was rolling guys. It was four and a quarter all the way up to four, six, two, five, Mm -hmm. all the way down to four and an eighth. And I think I locked in, I think I was finally able to lock it like four and a quarter. So I didn't get the very low, but I wasn't anywhere near the top either. And it would have made a difference on a million bucks. That's real money every month. Three million. Oh, Jesus Christ. That's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. Like, and that's why I'm, and she's like, oh, well, you know, it's only, you know, it's only like 30, 40 bucks. And I was like 30, 40 bucks times eight mortgages. And it's actually more like 90 bucks on the high. And that's per month and times eight. And I said, so it's eight bones a month. I said, we just kiss goodbye. The, you know, Recaro leather seats in my Lamborghini. case. <laughs> so <laughs> I can't wait to see this car. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to do a live stream from your car. Hell Yeah. Oh yeah. Question is, is that any, has anybody ever live streamed at 200 miles an hour? That's my question. I'm sure somebody has. Well, and it did, didn't end well. <laughs> 201. Well, I'll just walk it on the dash. I'll just walk it on the dash. That's all. And then we'll watch my face go back like this and my beard go up in my eyes. Like all of the good fun stuff will happen. All right. Um, uh, 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 Hab Abbas, if you are doing a refi after doing a hard money, Mm-hmm. It's called a rate and term refi. You might be able to find some lenders doing those after 90 days. Yeah, because you're not taking out the repair money. That's what I said. Correct. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Fed Hedge Capital, is there a video on using a binder method for Section 8? My local office won't budge. So Dion's experience was they budged. My experience was they didn't budge. <clears throat> they yeah, said, I have a, a binder strategy video on my channel. It's Section 8 How To. And Perfect. it's dependent on your county because most counties are run by a housing authority. Some counties are run by a nonprofit. And it depends on what government, I don't want to call it cog in the wheel, but it's like the person in that position. If they just go, here's my exact rules. But the way my counselor explained it to me is we can't just raise your rates. We can't do that. But if I can go to my boss with information and say, here's what the new rates should be. Right. And I did the work for them by sending an email with, here's the comps I'm using, the mm-hmm. geographic location, number of bedrooms. Because remember, housing authority and, and those nonprofits, they don't care about garage, swimming pool, storage shed, any of the amenities. It is how many bedrooms do you have that actually qualify as a bedroom? That's right. Which is 70 square feet, two forms of egress, and a certain amount of calculated cubic square footage so you can stand up straight in case you're on a roof line. And a closet. The closet. And a closet. Uh, that's true. And heat. Yeah. In Washington, it's heat. In some states, I, I, I'm not sure. I thought it was a source of, of, of like swamp cooler air conditioning. Don't know. So it's, what's so. also really interesting too, though, is on the closet thing, it doesn't have to be an enclosed space. Nope. It can be a rack on the wall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So with us here in Washington, our, my specific housing authority, I had to put in saloon doors. 
that what didn't have to be enclosed. It had to have some sentence somewhere said door. So I put in a little saloon door. That's a closet. There you go. I love it. Depends uh, on your specific county. Yes, exactly. Specific county. And to Dion's point too about the nonprofit versus authority, both towns that I work with are authorities. So I have, they have zero play, no movement. They're just like, we can't rent it. I said, okay, fair enough. Um, Hindman family, for those who self-manage, in quotations, sorry, Mike, do you have any attempt to hide that you're the property owner, uh, DBA, I'm the manager, et cetera, if you've not, if not, have you run into any problems because of that? Dion? Sure. So it's actually a nuanced question that comes up often. There are some people who want to hide their identity and they have the LLC to specifically try to hide their name. And they say, I'm the property manager, How, whatever level of comfort that you have, great. But you could get caught in a lie sometime. So what I do is, and this is me being transparent, don't sue me, bro. When I'm talking to my tenants, I'm the owner, but I have some partners that I have to run big decisions by. My partners by me might be Mike and Matt. I might go, hey, this tenant asked for this in between one of our videos. And I go, am I wrong for thinking that's silly? And then when they tell me, I go back and say, my partner said, no, before Mike and Matt, I had my kid's cat. If I ran the decision by my kid's cat, cat shook its head. And I was like, yep, okay, we're not going to do that. As long as I'm not the bad guy, I have partners to blame when they have an unreasonable request. But it's pretty rare to have an actual unreasonable request. One was, please replace all of the downstairs windows with windows that open. No, I'm not doing that. No. You have like four that do. And then there's these solid like $1,700 glass pane windows. I'm not putting in opening windows there. My partners didn't agree. So then I'm not the bad guy. That's how I handle it. Um, yeah, same, same on, so uh, same on my side from a self-management perspective. Um, we actually, I find that being the owner calms people down. <clears throat> I got somebody, I had somebody getting kind of mouthy and I just said, really? I said, well, I'm happy to pass it on to the owner. Um, so they think you're a jerk. She's like, what are you doing? I go, you just call me a jerk. She's like, oh, you're the owner. Yeah. Not just a property manager. I'm here to fix your problem because you asked so nicely. Um, and we just had the conversation. I said, listen, at the end of the day, it's your house and we want to take care of you, but please recognize you're not my only tenant and we want to take care of things on a timely basis, but there's a process to things. And as much as I'd like to believe that I have all of these people on staff working for me, none of them are, they're all 1099s. They all have their own businesses and I get preferential treatment. But when I call, I still have to wait for them to tell me they can be there X time. Just that simple. We all have to wait our turn. Um, so that was that. Uh, let's see. Don, my last appraiser said that some of the comps I took to the meeting, he said that they were some of the ones that he was using. Yep, exactly. Yep. Bring those comps. Worst case scenario is, is they don't use them, but then they're going to have to justify not using them. And I would take them and I would show my bank, hey, these are comps. I provided the appraiser, FYI. Um, you guys agree? I see mm -hmm. shaking heads. Yes, so yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Josh Martin, how do you pick an inspector or does the lender provide one? Who wants to take that one? My, again, there's, this is depending on when you were doing this. 20 years ago, I could influence my appraiser, my inspector, all of oh, that. So wonderful. Today, you can't. Uh, no, no, you can't. It's all. the same in Washington. You're not allowed to pick and you're not supposed to interact with too much. And it's, again, if it's you have a personal relationship, that appraiser is supposed to say no. That's right. Conflict of interest. Conflict it's actually, of interest. yep. It's a, it's a hundred percent a no, no. Big no, so, no. 
Yeah. And so they, so whether, so whether appraiser, so he asked inspector, so inspector, if it's not appraiser, but the inspector, one that actually had going to inspect the property, A, your agent should know, B, if you were doing the work, like Mike's course talk about, talks about, like we talk about in our three amigos courses, you've already talked to some inspectors that way, when you found the right property, you were able to put it in front of the right people. And three, the only tip that I would give when selecting an inspector is try to select somebody that um, has been in construction in the past. I do yeah. not like the, I do not like the appraisers that the book smart to get course. Yeah. yeah. That. Well, the other thing about inspectors, you got to be careful with that word, right? If it's required by the lender. Yeah. Arm's length. Yep. But I don't know about you, but I, I, I bought older houses. I'm like, I better have that foundation looked at. So there Absolutely. are some inspections that you as the buyer, as part of your 14, 14 day due diligence, you can absolutely use, but that report's not for the lender. It's for you, the buyer. That's and right. go nuts, pick wherever you want. Right, yeah, to the original question, I thought we were talking appraiser. I mean, I hired the, the inspector. That inspector works for me. That report's for me. And then some places, you're not even allowed to share that report with the seller. But um, one of the reasons I'm not an agent is I don't need to know those rules. So I'll take select pieces out of that, of that inspection yes. with yes. that, because the inspector is writing it to protect themselves. Correct. I warned you, this place looks like it's falling down because there's like a crack in the drywall, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so you send that verbiage to the seller as my strongest negotiating tool. That's right. When we're under contract, I'll send, here's what I think is going to cost about $30,000 to repair, hoping to come back with 15. Mm -hmm. And then I get $15,000 off. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Nailed it. Exactly. Nailed it. Um, so let's see, Rob, I will, uh, he said, Rob said on the other question about the, uh, the duplex that he would remodel and owner occupy a half. Yep. Oh, well, there you go. As a house, house hackologist, I agree. Um, practicing house hackologist, uh, Josh Martin, Merry Christmas, Lane, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas to you guys. Chester Williams, fat fire sounds like burning a tub of Crisco. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, Ryan Ruff, Merry Christmas. Ahab Abbas, uh, I know I'm getting better at your name, so I'm feeling good about that. Just closed on a three-unit house hack. Oh, my word. In back on September, I listed the other two since October, but not finding right tenants until now. When doing my taxes in 21, can I claim vacancy loss on these two units? That's not exactly how taxes work. No, you don't have right. vacancy loss. You have, you have lack of income. Money to you have lack of income. Lack of income. Yeah. yeah, right. It's the top line problem, not a bottom line problem. <laughs> yeah, we, we don't report to the IRS. If all of my units paid, I would get X. So I actually took in that you literally just say, every penny I took in, this is how much it came to. That's the only number they know. They don't know that there was a number you could have got to. Mm -hmm. Yep. Well done. Well explained. Rebecca Marin, uh, we are a small investor, have two properties, single family paid off. Excellent. Nice. We would like to get into commercial properties, more than 10 units. Would you recommend us to refi the paid off properties? I'll let Mike right, handle that because there's reasons why I haven't done those. Yeah, so I can say, so I'll say on the commercial, like trading up, I wouldn't be doing it now. That's my opinion. Um, that's I've, the only things that I've done in those larger units is I have gotten ridiculous deals, ridiculous deals. Um, literally showing 30 and 40% return on capital that I put into the deal. Those are the types of commercial deals that I'm doing. And sadly, they were before Velocity Mortgage. So I am literally waiting for those uh, five-year, five, four, three, two, one penalties that are on any commercial debt. 
where it's you basically pay 5% of the note if you refi it within the first year or take that mortgage away from them. Mm-hmm. So I personally believe also that when you get into that commercial space, you are no longer a small fish in a small pond like you are on the residential side with a couple of rentals. You're now small fish in a massive ocean and people that can squash you because they can pay for cash, they can do all those things. So if you're running the numbers on that deal, I promise you, if it's been out in the market for quite some time, unless you're getting it way off, like you have to make sure you're getting a good deal because the smart money evaluates that stuff every single day. And they've got gobs and gobs of cash. See the current or the earlier reference by Mike of 40% more cash in the market. These guys are built to do deals in cash because they don't have to worry about funding. So Mike, that's my rant. That's my take on it. Yeah, it's well done. So I think there's a couple of things. So I get this a lot because again, I own both, right? And, yeah. and, and I purposely got out of one into the others, much like yes. this comment was. There's a couple of things. First and foremost, uh, there is a very well-known social media expert out there who has a saying that bigger is better and kind of full stop. Uh, I personally believe that bigger isn't always better. I actually believe in the same spreadsheet that I use to evaluate houses, you should evaluate multis. And if multis come out as a better option, I I personally like 1031 exchanges uh, to move up. That's what I did. I went from eight to 80 units over about 18 months. It was awesome. But I got out of ridiculously expensive houses into cheap multifamily. That is not the environment today. I sold some C-class apartments that needed hundreds of thousands of dollars in immediate immediate investments at a stupid low cap rate. That stuff is still going on today. Yeah, I do not like buying stuff at peak prices. Um, so what I would tell someone today is, A, do you just believe the bigger is better and that's why you want to go commercial because you want to flex and do all of that? Lots of people do, right? Grant Cardone said bigger is better and he's the man and he's a billionaire and he's got a jet <clears throat> and airplane or a helicopter or in all the cars, bigger is not always better. It's just not. Put it in the same spreadsheet and compare. And if you get 8% on a house and 40% on an apartment, go buy the apartment. If you get 12% on a house and 4% on an apartment, buy the house. Mm-hmm. All of that. So let then there's a- Let se- speak to you. Yeah, and then, yeah, <laughs> let math speak to you. Then the other thing is source of capital. You have an asset that's free and clear. You can keep it, it's producing lots of cash flow. You can refi it at an LTV of 50% and still cash flow, get cash. Uh, or you could do a 1031 exchange, right? Again, do the math and the math will set you free. The biggest thing that I'm concerned about is too many people simply believe bigger is better. And I've owned these and it's just not true. It's not. You can actually overpay for an apartment building, folks. I know it's, it's shocking, but it, it can happen and it's happening today. Yep, totally agree. Dan, any thoughts on this one? For me, it's always lending that stops me in my tracks. I like four units or less, 30-year fixed rate debt. Um, No loan reevaluation period. Five, seven, 10, where you might have a bad NOI year and they go, yep, Yep. you can't refinance. So you either need to find someone else to finance with or sell it or your interest rate's going to- Or you need to cut me a six-figure check to get it back to level. Yeah, that's going to be, that's where all these LPs are going to get eaten for lunch. That's right. And I think the other thing that's really important in this regard, right? Network is your net worth. Mm -hmm. If you have a bunch of deals with that bank, they are likely going to work more, likely work more with you because they're not going to want to upset the apple cart on the other assets that they own. They will likely work better with you. 
You'll have more leverage yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I've already got my letter drafted for, uh, for 37 months from now, you know, I'm just like, I'll send it to them 37 months from now to preempt any ridiculousness. Right. So if you have 90 or a hundred units, and then you have a a 12 unit or an 18 unit that you have on commercial lending, you have the bandwidth and cash flow to handle something random weird happening in seven Mm -hmm. to 10 years, but I have 16 units. Sure. If I, if I had 16 sold eight to buy 20, and that's my big, huge thing that could completely right. sink me in seven years. That is not the right thing to do. No, Dion, but- you're dead on. That's exactly what Mike was saying earlier too. He said in, in his live stream, uh, I can't remember which of your live streams, Mike, this morning. The, the second stream. one, the don't get wiped out from one yeah, deal. Yeah, don't get wiped out from one deal. That's what scared me from commercial for so long was because I was doing dupes, tries, and quads and I was making great margins. But if I had to put 300,000 or $200,000 down on a big 10 unit building. I was like, that was a Ooh. big number that. Yeah. That was a pucker factor. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So yep. Totally agree. Great, 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 uh, great feedback guys. Uh, Jamil uh, Diaz, is there a specific way to pay contractors to ensure they finish the job to your satisfaction? Yep. There is. Uh, it's called, you don't get paid until you're done. And I sign. Um, you have to pay usually for materials. One of the things that I've done is I actually, so I talk to my contracts and say, listen, I will pay you to work up the quote, but I'm not going to pay you for materials. I'm going to pay for the materials because I already have accounts with these big places. So I'll get the account. I'll sign up for the account. I'll do all the paperwork. And then you say, here's what we need. I don't need to pay you 10 points to place my order. I'll pay you the four hours that it's going to take. I'll pay you your rate for the four hours it's going to take. And because I don't want to shortchange you, but I'm going to pay for the materials. Mm-hmm. I'll make sure that they're delivered when you're telling me you're going to start. That way I control that. I control how much I paid for them. Then there they're starting and then they get progress payments. When they're halfway done, they get paid, but they were out no money. The guys I love are the contractors that tell me, well, hey, I started the project. I really need half the money up front. You don't get anything up front because I, ha- I paid for the materials. You didn't work half up front. Mm-hmm. So as soon as you hit the halfway point, I pay you. The key is, again, network being your net worth, having that relationship with contractors where they know as soon as they finish halfway point or what's agreed to as halfway point or a third of the way, sometimes it's third, sometimes it's half. If it's a really big project, sometimes it's quarters, mm-hmm. but it's talking about what that gate is. When you get to this point, I will pay. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons and the very few reasons that I like doing construction loan deals with banks is because they hold the purse strings. And then I just say, listen, the, you want that money? As soon as that job's in finished and inspected, because they will typically put somebody on that project that's a construction manager, mm-hmm. that person will basically go between five and six times during the course of the project. And they will charge the bank and the bank has already charged you for it. It's usually a $300 fee. And they will go and they will check the process. They will check the, and, and look at the, look at what's been done. And then you fill out all the paperwork, you submit to the bank and then the bank cuts you a check saying, here you go. Here's your check. You can disperse funds to your contractors. Did I miss anything, Mike? No, I think, I think that's it. The only other thing I would say is something I have done with my contractors that I've done multiple jobs with. Now I do not recommend this the first time, second, or even third time you use them. But I actually have the, the people that did my 58 flips. I think one guy did, like 38 of them, right? More than half. Uh, I paid him every Friday, but I knew what was happening every week. Right. Um, every, every Monday, we knew what the, the jobs were for Friday. The couple of times he missed, 
he didn't get paid. Uh, but yeah, it just, so with that one exception, I usually, I usually pay quarters. Uh, I buy material as well. I pay quarters. Uh, and I always hold the last 25% until after I've inspected it. That's the only one that they won't get paid right away. Yep. Uh, it's usually, I, I do commit to walking at 48 hours from completion, but yes. Yeah. Dion. So on my channel, I try to make a, a video when I get the same question five or 10 times. I like, okay, enough people want to know this because there's a ton of content that I want to make that nobody cares about. <laughs> so I don't want to make videos that people aren't going to watch or wouldn't want to watch if they did. <clears throat> so I've wanted to make one on how to deal with contractors, but I rarely get the question. I don't know why. I just, maybe just people don't think of me as the source for that. Mm. So there's three things I look at with the contractor. The first is I like to get my contractors off of Thumbtack. So once you have a relationship with one, sure, you've got it worked out. But if you get them off of Thumbtack, you can find contractors, get quotes and read reviews. You're going to get reviews from other people who've like, like a Yelp, but just for contractors. Right. And the most important thing is that contractor knows at the end of the project, you are going to leave a review. That's right. So I've had no bad issues with my contractors off of Thumbtack yet. The second thing is, is knowing that if you go to your local Lowe's or Home Depot or your local floor, flooring store, Lowe's and Home Depot do, but most of those kind of stores will have a contractor's account where you mm -hmm. give them your phone number and your name, you're in their system. Whatever handyman or contractor you hire can go there and buy materials. You get a phone call mm -hmm. and on the phone, you pay with a credit card right now. They email you a receipt. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times contractors will say, well, I need this much money to buy materials. Well, that, that materials might be their chop saw right. because it's old and they don't have one for this job. Well, I'm That's not right. buying them a chop saw in this deal, right. but that won't show up on my receipt. So it kind of makes sure that I'm only buying the materials for my project. <clears throat> and the third thing is I like to tip. If a handyman comes and does a $300 job and he says it's 300 bucks, great. Here, I Venmo 350 bucks, right? So there's going to be a tip. Anytime a project is large and I've got a time concern, I say, you know, I tip. Every time we do anything, I put a tip That's on right. there. <laughs> the tip is dependent on this date. Mm, there's no date, no tip. And if it even takes longer, then we're going to renegotiate the price. I've never had a time date problem. Mm. I've pretty much tipped on every project I've ever had a contractor do. So that is what will be in my video if I ever get the questions enough to make it. I can tell you I've never tipped as a rule. Uh, however, when I was doing my flips, I gave them part of the profit, not a lot, but some of the profit on yep. the back end once it was done. Yep. So I've, de so I've done mics. I've not done Dion's. Yeah. yeah. So in my area, the handyman mm -hmm. and the, the smaller contract, cause I don't do rehabs. Like if, I probably mm -hmm. would, I don't know if I would tip with like a $20,000 deal. I don't know what that would look like. What it would be an insult to give them a hundred bucks. Right. Yeah. But the guy who shows up and, and mounts the bathroom mirror and changes the mm -hmm. faucet and is going to get $150, $50 is, is you know, 25 yeah. tip or whatever. Yeah. And yeah. with those level of handymen in this area, because of the local REI meetup groups and the Facebook groups, <laughs> there's a lot of competition. Got it. I text, I was like, hey, I have something. That I get a phone call. What do you got? Let's go. I'm free this weekend. Like, it's immediate. So that's what I'm working for. There you go. All right. I like it. Love it. Awesome. Uh, Dan Hunter, please tell me you saw the post on the Three Amigos FI page where somebody asked Mike's course for installment payments. <laughs> did you see that? I saw the question. If you want I, did, I did not see From that. From my amazing memory, is somebody... it possible to take the course and make installment payments? No. Basically, the gist of the question. No. So I'm not taking installment payments. Sorry. No. Sorry. But the good news is when you get your money right, that's the free course. Yeah. When you get your money right, you'll have right. it in probably 60 days. I did not um, see that. No, I missed yeah. that one. Uh, no, no, he Ky Kyle Yee. Uh, Merry Christmas to the three favorite heroes, Luke, Khan, and Chewbacca. Mm -hmm. Shit. <laughs> 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 
know which one you are too. <laughs> I would try a Chewbacca roar, but I suck at it. Uh, and yeah, I've tried, and yeah, I know. Whatever. So, so who's Luke and who's Han? I mean, that's a that's, that's a debatable okay. question. Dear God, you too. <laughs> Just not Chewbacca. <laughs> a big furry animal. All right, I'm a big furry animal. Uh, all right. I'll, I'll be i'll be uh uh what is it what are the who are the characters again Luke Luke? Han Solo, i'll be han solo you yeah. don't know don't. that just hurts me see I'm you saw star trek gaps. star trek 77 times this is what i do i'm I connecting made... worlds that don't exist with the real world dion over here mike over here mike just called it star trek yeah star trek yeah <laughs> he's still star calling it star trek i i think i may have seen it twice Oh, sweet Lord. Especially since it's called Star Wars. Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. No wonder he ended up in the wrong theater. <laughs> all he saw is this guy, Captain Kirk. That's all he saw. This guy Spock with the pointy ears. Not a big, yeah. Not a yeah. big, uh, yeah. I don't, I don't get it. Right. Uh, Eli, Eli Kohler. My tenant wants a two-year extension four months into their current lease. Young family. My management messed up and signed a one-year at COVID cap price of Four percent plus CPI in August. I feel terrible. Rent needs to go up thirty percent. Sounds if like you're a in state. a rent con- yeah, rent control like area. That that uh. No, I think that it's, my guess is if if I had to guess what Eli's seeing there is is that his they probably use standard language you know in their property management firm lease. And it actually sounds like a California investor. Does it? Maybe. Well, again, 4% plus CPI, that's, that is California's rent control, which is 5% plus CPI. All right. Yeah. It, if it's a single family home, though. Oh, yeah. Single family home is not covered. Yeah. If it's Jeez, a duplex. Mike, managing stuff in California. I thought you might know that. Yeah. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> yeah. All right. Trying to catch up. Dan, Dan Hunter, maybe a buy now, pay later uh, option in the future. <laughs> and these are all lobby faces, by the way. So, uh, Samer, Samer Farho, the three heroes, peace signs for all of us. Dan Hunter, Dion, show your mug again. I can't stop looking at his mug. I'm teasing. I know. Dion. It's because it's hard that? to see vodka through, you know. <laughs> Dion, if you didn't tell us it was vodka, we'd all think it was water. So my only question is, is what the hell is that, mu- is that mug yeah, from? Is that mug from something? It's Star- is a, it Star Wars? <laughs> I am a pirate minister. I actually do weddings for free. It's one of the cool things about being financially free is I get to be a part of someone's special day and not charge them a penny. You have to be okay with a pirate showing up. And, you know, pirates got to have a mug. I'll be talking to Mrs. Lumberjack about our vow renewal. I'm, I'll fly out there for it. <laughs> I might fly out there for that too. Holy, but it's we're not doing a vow, guys. We're not doing a <laughs> Everything. We're not I'm going to call your vow. wife. No. I know her number. No. Well, I was going to say, at the end of the day, I closed the deal once. I need to close. I don't need to close. <laughs> you, don't wanna, you don't want to. Yeah. You don't ask for a question. Yeah, you don't want exactly. the answer. Once you have the deal, you walk out the door. Yeah. You stop talking. Yeah. Yep, <laughs> you sign. I stopped talking. All right. Uh, Merry Christmas. Uh, so Randy Whitaker, Merry Christmas. My question is uh, foreclosure, good or bad for property investment. Mike, what do you think? Good or bad for property investment? I think it depends on which side you're on. Yeah. If you get foreclosed on, it's not good. Yes. Uh, you can recover from it uh, after three years. If you're going to do owner rock, you'll still pay more and probably have, you'll pay more uh, after seven years, seven to 10, depending on, on where it is, it'll go away. So there's a lot of people that got burned in like 2010 that are coming back now. Um, 
Foreclosures also hurt property around you because of comps, as we talked about earlier. Uh, that was a big problem with the last crash is once somebody did cash for keys, all their neighbors did cash for keys because everybody, right. it was just cascading. Yep. Uh, however, foreclosures, generally speaking, uh, well, let's talk about it this way. The first couple of foreclosures, not really great deals because a bank's going to foreclose at the amount and there's probably no equity. Uh, but at, if foreclosures were to cascade like last time, you can get ridiculous deals. Ridiculous. Uh, I, I brought, I bought dozens of deals at, at or even below land value, if you can believe that. Yeah. Uh, but I would say, generally speaking, foreclosures are not good. They are real families hurt. People are hurt for years. Their generations hurt. I know kids today, or I shouldn't call them kids. I call them kids because they're younger than my daughter, right? I know kids in their 20s. Uh, that won't buy homes because their parents lost homes when they're in eighth grade. I mean, these are generational impacts. So foreclosures, generally speaking, are a big, big, big no-no, big bad, generally yep. speaking. There's a couple of things to think about when it comes to foreclosures. A lot of people will say, if you're an investor and you buy a house that was foreclosed on, you're part of the system that made that person lose a house, which is not true. <laughs> not That'll true. happen years before not you true. got there. Yeah, yeah. I was If involved. you find a pre-foreclosure, you could be a part of the solution to help that person get out of That's that right. property without having to go right. through an entire foreclosure. Mm -hmm. And if you're on the, the bad side of it where you've got the foreclosure on your record, but there, was, there were actual events in your life that caused that and you are financially stable, this is when things like creative financing and seller financing options start to look more attractive in your investing instead of going to a traditional lender where, for like Mike said, seven to 10 years, that stands out and it's going to make you pay a lot more interest if, if you can even secure the loans. So it really foreclosures, it depends on the situation. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, Chester Williams, I'm glad Dion mentioned interest spreads for banks, bringing it back to rentals. Uh, would banks be skittish to loan out with the feds with the Fed set to hike rates throughout 2022? Guessing focusing on MQNs or uh, MTMG, Matt, the mortgage guy. Yeah. Uh, so again, banks have already started to adjust. I know lots of non-QM lenders that raised rates a quarter point the day. So the Fed announced, I think it was a Wednesday. I knew several large non-QM lenders that raised rates the following Monday. They didn't even wait. Right. Yeah. They get ahead of it. Um, banks like Matt, the mortgage guy, they're much more tied to the 10-year treasury. And the weird thing is the Fed talked about raising rates and the 10-year the treasury went down for a week. So again, you need to watch that. But generally speaking, bank, if it's a Matt, the mortgage guy, kind of like 10 loan things, they're going to follow the treasury plus spread. Non-QM lenders, th that's real deep money. They move a lot faster. Yep. And, and to go one step deeper into something that uh, a finance guy should cover, and I'm going to try. <laughs> the bank isn't really making money on that interest rate spread. Right. That's, that's how it starts. But within usually a couple of days, that bank sells that loan product right. to someone else. Yeah. Even if they keep it and you're paying Wells Fargo for your mortgage, they don't own it. They're getting a processing fee. Mm -hmm. So rates might go up. It's transaction count dropping that's going to hurt the lenders. Correct. They're, they're hoping for the mortgages to happen and then sell them and make that transaction fee. The more mortgages that they can carry and collect fees on, the more money they're going to make. That to them is more important than where rates are. Correct. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. Um, Jeremy L. Diaz, uh, how do you do seller financing with agents involved? By the way, thank you, Dion, for sending me the seller financing letter. Um, Mike. All you have to do is consider that agents want to get paid. So realize that an agent, generally speaking, is between three and 6%, depending on what that is. So guess what? Your down payment needs to be at least three or 6%, because I have yet to meet a seller that is willing to cut a check personally 
to pay that. So as long as you control that and, this, and the agent goes, ooh, I get paid, it shouldn't matter. Yep. Right. So when you're looking at your down payment, one of the first things you do on, with seller financing is you figure out, do they have an existing mortgage? Because you're, you're going to have to get that taken care of. Either you're going to take out a mortgage to cover that, or you're going to have a down payment large enough to cover what's remaining on their mortgage and agent fees. Mm -hmm. So that, like Mike said, they're not going to be cutting a check to let go of a property. Mm -hmm. They're looking at getting consistent monthly income and not having a large tax impact. Right. Uh, Amafid, the space shuttle live streams at 17,000 miles per hour. Well, so, then I will just have to say it's the fastest live stream on earth. Oh, no. What I, what I think he's telling you is you can live stream at 200 miles an hour. Have fun. I know. I know. That's what I'm saying. But I'm going to say it's the fastest on earth. Ah. I can't say it's the fastest live stream now, but I can say it's the fastest on earth. Yeah. On the ground. Yep. Got it. Yes. Got it. Yes. All right. Uh, Rob, Dion, Land of a Thousand Smiles live stream. Apparently someone likes your smile. Though. I try to smile more once I have this because it makes me look like I'm frowning because I got the D'Artagnan look. Ah. So. I don't know who D'Artagnan is, but I guess he's on Star Trek. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> Mike, you should know this. So, so D'Artagnan, you should know. It's a three The Three Musketeers. Like, we uh, could have went with that instead of Three Amigos. Oh, uh, no. So, guys, Alexander remember. Dumas wrote books like The Count of Monte Cristo, which is the best movie ever made on the planet. Never and very good. The Three Musketeers, The Man in the Iron Mask, and there's D'Artagnan. So, oh, okay. Now you know. Guy, Guy you know. Pierce, Jim Jim Caviezel, spectacular. Yes. Yep. That's actually my favorite movie because, and here's some behind the scenes secret info on how twisted I am. It's a movie where you get so rich, you can dedicate your life to getting revenge on the people who screwed you over. Oh, what's yeah. the name of that movie again? Ma Count the Count of Monte, of Cristo. Monte Cristo. All right, I'll look it up. But the newer version, not the original. The, right, yeah, it came out version. like. We call it the newer version, but it's probably 15 years old now. It is. Yep. So, so sometime in the 2000s. Yeah, it's yeah. got Guy Pierce and Jim Caviezel in it. I'll look it up. I've never seen yep. it. I'm not even sure. I'll I send you a it. link. Okay. <laughs> D and I will pull our money and buy the DVD because I know they're <laughs> I don't have a DVD player. Seriously? Nope. Wow, look at you, you streaming. Guy. I don't either. And somebody just gave me because I talk about audiobooks all the time. They just yeah. gave me a bunch of audiobooks on CD, and I'm like. What's this? It's like an eight track now. <laughs> yeah, it's, it so is. Um, De, uh, question for Dion. Uh, is the cat available for consultations from Rob? Ah, so. Yes, but if you've watched my videos, you know that that cat is a biter. I picked the yeah. cat up for an outro one time and it chomped onto my cheek and I bled. <laughs> That's not in the video. The bite is though. Yeah, but, oh my God. Um, Chris Webb, just checking in from Central Virginia. Thanks for all you guys do. One million percent. You're welcome. Uh, Jerry Davis, good morning, amigos. Good morning. Uh, Brett Denner, I'd love to hear about what you guys do for preventative maintenance to proactively prevent expensive issues repairs from coming up on properties you are actively renting. Brett, that's a great question, Brett. Um, Dion, what do you think? I expect expensive repairs. I look forward to them because when I replace a roof or replace a water heater, I'm protecting an asset. And as a new investor, we usually get stuck in this mindset of, wow, that roof is $15,000. That's so much money. When you're first starting out, expenses like that are part of your cost to acquire. You're spending the money to acquire the asset. Once you own it, we calculate the numbers. You have principal interest, taxes, and insurance, but you set aside money for repairs and maintenance. So over a period of months and years, you are setting aside, me, I do 10% of gross rents into an account. That account pays for those big expenses when they come. I don't care that I have a $15,000 roof expense because it comes out of that account that the tenants have been filling. And when I spend, yes, I spend because I'm not investing it, but when I spend that money to replace the roof or do the repair, 
the rents refill that account. It does not impact cash flow. Cash flow is not touched by things that happen when something goes wrong on a property. As long as you have the discipline to continue to keep that account full. Once that account is full, I set aside $30,000 with 16 units. It might be bigger as the portfolio grows. And if I ever stop having a W-2, I might grow that account as well. But at 30,000, when I, that money comes down, gross rents fill it back up. When it's capped off, that extra money that would be set aside for repairs and maintenance doesn't come to me for spending on life. Sorry, I got the mic on today. It doesn't come to me for spending on life. It goes into the investing fund and speeds up yes. when I can make my next, yes. next investment. So when I do have an expense, the biggest impact it could possibly have on me is it slows down investing a little, doesn't impact lifestyle. Mike? All of that's true. The only other thing I would do, because again, I don't self-manage. So all my units get a walkthrough every six months looking for little things. And then the other thing I would tell you uh, that I did wrong for the first four or five years is I was cheap and I was band-aiding things. When you get one roof leak, unless there's like a real reason for it, replace the roof, right? Because I don't know how many times I band-aided a roof and then it ultimately became worse and worse and worse. And I dumped, I spent twice as much. One of the things that I recommend doing when I acquire a building because they're older here in the Northeast is I will actually pay a plumber usually for when we go in after we've acquired the building, go in, take a look, take a walk through, make sure he's looking at the chamber and the furnace and doing things like that. You know, those are big expensive repairs and that thing's going to go when it's being used. When, when is the heating being used in the winter time? Yep. I don't want to deal with the ridiculousness of having to replace a system during the winter because that sucks. And the second thing that believe it or not, I'm shocked that people don't do this. Up here in the Northeast, almost all the time when copper was installed, that copper might be 50 years old, 60 years old, 40 years old, and they have these star off and ons. They have these star, star valves. Mm -hmm. You turn them on, you turn them off, and that's what saves you. No one ever, ever, ever tests them. No one ever, ever knows that they don't work, and they don't work, and you, when, you, when you find out that they don't work, it's because something is spraying water everywhere. That's when you find out they don't work. Test those. So, yeah. We eliminate those star valves in a number of our properties. We literally just play the plumber and say, listen, go in there and all the star valves in the basement, solder them off. There's a special tool that gets made that actually has a, a coupling connection on it. They can get through that in a half a day and put all new ball valves there. Now, you know, every shutoff works, every turn on valve, every valve then works. If you ever, ever, ever have an issue, we actually, when we introduce a tenant to an apartment, we say, hey, if you ever have a water problem, it's spraying all over the place and I don't know what to do, run your ass down to the basement and shut this valve off. That's all you have to do. And I will be elated because the damage will be relegated to literally a minute. So that's all you have to do. Just show people where the shutoff switch is or the shutoff valve is for the water. That's funny that you say that. I just did that at a friend's house. Trying Perfect. to help out because I'm so handy, which I'm not. Don't ever help me have me help you do anything. Like me I went to replace a faucet. Yeah. Oh, no, you go under the sink and you think, okay, hot and cold water. I can turn them off. Well, it came off in my hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so, valve. Luckily, it was the hot water. So I yep. run downstairs, turn off the valve on top of the hot water heater, which was a star valve. So luckily, it didn't break. Yep. But it was about a minute's worth. Um, and then I just said, look, I'm going to hire a plumber. We're going to replace all of these. We did both bathrooms and the sink and, and the kitchen. And I just had to put in new valves for all of those because they were the original old star valves. And I thought put in new ball valves. And uh, I paid for all of that because it was my water damage that I spent mm -hmm. the day cleaning up after. Yeah. Good times. The ball, 
and literally the ball valves are like eight bucks and a plumber's a hundred and something. An it hour. wasn't, it they wasn't can, much money, but yeah. yeah, not much at all, but it makes the world of difference because I can promise you the other thing too is, is a vacant unit where another tenant says I've got water dripping in my ceiling from a vacant <laughs> unit or something upstairs. And it's like, okay, cool. I can get there super fast. Here's the code. Here's a contractor code to the door, run in there, flip that valve. You know exactly where it is. It's just worth its weight in gold and they're not very expensive. Um, so great question, Brett. Uh, Jerry Davis, Chris Webb, Central Virginia here too. Uh, just them connecting where they're at. Uh, Nohia Kyle Yee, scenario. Okay, guys, get your pens ready. Scenario, mm -hmm. San Diego threeplex. It's a, it's a threeplex. It's a three, two and two, two ones with a two car garage. Current yield is what? <laughs> Negative 163%. Negative with asking uh, with asking price with what current rents vacant sixteen fifty and fifteen fifty rent average is three thousand twenty five hundred and twenty five hundred low end all units need lipstick job to get rents up and existing tenants out or the binder strategy to get the rents up I will need to cover the loss for at least six months of low rents and cost of repairs lipstick work with no guarantee I will be able to get the existing tenants out and get the market value. But if I am able to do it, my yield jumps to 48% at the low end. Do you guys think it's worth the risk? So there's a lot in that That's a because lot. you're in California. So yeah. first and foremost, you can't do the binder strategy on these tenants. Right. Rent control will not let you. They're existing tenants. Um, rent caps will make that a big no-no because it's not a house. Uh, so the, the second thing is you can, you can remove them because it sounds like you're going to do a full remodel. That is one of the reasons as an owner, you can remove tenants, realize you will have to pay them to leave, probably pay their moving expense. That's again, you get to thank Gavin Newsom. So add that to your costs. Um, I, if this was me, I would, um, God, this, this, you sound like such a dick when you say these things, uh, I would, I would give the tenants notice. That's your job. Exactly. <laughs> so what I would do is I would give these tenants notice day one. Uh, I probably, I, again, if it was me, I would say, Hey, I, I'm going to remodel the unit. Um, you know, I, I, I will gladly give you back your full deposit. No questions asked. Uh, I will pay you your, uh, cause in California, what do you have to do is you have to pay them up to their, uh, like if it's, what did she say? 1500 or yeah, 1550. I'll pay 1550 of moving expenses. Uh, I think it's 60 days, assuming they've been there a year. I, I just wouldn't mess around. You, you can't use the binder strategy in California with that big of a difference. Um, then you have to be able to carry it vacant for like, you know, six months. Also, I don't know where this is in San Diego. San Diego. Oh, yeah. Right. In San Diego, yeah, like yeah. lots of San Diego is nice, but there's probably areas in San Diego that aren't nice. You're going to have an asset that's vacant that can invite its own troubles sometimes. I don't know San Diego at all, but um, yeah, I don't think you have any hope of keeping the existing tenants. I don't think. So one of the problems with rent control is it forces the owner to go up the maximum allowable amount every month. And if they don't, then we run into a situation where you have a property like this mm -hmm. that doesn't cash flow and can't sell for what comps are selling for if they're vacant. Because you, you can't use the binder strategy. You can't adjust rents enough to no. make it make sense. Yeah. So a full tenant flip on each unit is going to be basically a requirement. Absolutely. How long are they going to go without paying? How much is it going to cost you to, to move them out? Add all of that together. And that aggregate cost goes into your cost to acquire. Correct. And remember your yield is 
when the units are rented out for that first year, mm-hmm. how much did it cost you to cost to acquire the property? What will your rental profit be? Divide your rental profit from the year by your cost to acquire. If it doesn't make sense, the deal doesn't make sense. Yeah. Don't beat it don't, up. Don't beat don't, up. Don't your chase Excel. the numbers. Right. Yeah. Don't chase the numbers. Beat up Excel. Yeah. I don't, I don't know enough about this, but um, <clears throat> again, I have a lot of experience. I can carry a building empty for, yeah. for months. Yep. I can pay security to go by six times a day. I've done that. Yep. Um, if, if the return was certainly if it was 48%, even if it's 28%, um, I would do the deal. But again, that's, that's a guy who's got several hundred units and, and can carry a building empty for a year without problems. This does scream lots of risks, lots of unknowns. Um, that'd be a tough first, first pill to swallow, I think, for lots of people. And even though you're in the right with a re- remodel, you can say the tenant needs to move out. Add in, factor in the cost of a three-month eviction. Yeah, exactly. Because that could be, to even make it legally right. Dude, California might be six months. Right. Yeah. Whew. I mean, hey, if you can hold, right? Yeah. If you can hold. I mean, that's probably numbers. why you're getting a discount. That's what I mean. That's exactly. what it's exactly you're getting a discount because. The- but the discount is not out of alignment with what it should be based on what you're expecting to have to do, right? That sounds like a lot of work, a lot of stress. Yep. If you're a first-time investor, this is your do first. Do not do deal. this deal. Probably do not, not do this deal if you're a first-timer. Because you're gonna get you're gonna eat yourself alive. Yep. Just with yep. stress. And there will be delays in getting them out. There will oh. be people that are problems. And the issue is, is that they hire a lawyer. You have to lie or hire a lawyer to protect yourself. And it's not whether or not they win. It's just the fact that they're suing. Delay, yeah. Exactly. Delay isn't a pain in the ass for sure. Um, cool. All right. WS, uh, need to get some sleep right here. You guys talk together. Oh. Merry Christmas to you all. Merry Christmas to you. Well, the good news is he didn't fall asleep on our live stream. So that's a good thing. Uh, Nisi Ellison, what would cause deflation and how would it affect housing loans? Michael, the... So deflation. So there's really two types of deflation we need to talk about because it's quoted a lot in YouTube University. There's asset deflation, housing, stocks, crypto. Um, And then there's lifestyle deflation, right? We've had 8% inflation in rents and gas and all of that. We've already seen some deflation in gas, for example. All right. So there's really two sides of deflation. Um, Asset deflation, it's, I'm afraid it's going to happen. Right, but mo- most specifically in places that are have lots of leverage, stock market, crypto, multifamily. Right, there's a lot of places where I think the debt structure doesn't marry up with an inflationary environment, and when you have to refi the debt, you get in big trouble. Residential probably going to be fine as long as we still have 98.5 percent fixed rate debt. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be a problem. But yeah, deflation. And, and let's be clear: you think the Fed is afraid of inflation? The Fed is like terrified of deflation. Yeah. The Fed knows how to beat inflation. Paul Volcker proved it works. Yep. Deflation, they just got a money printer and they just, just you know, that, that only works for so long. So I, uh, you know, there's somebody out there named Kathy Wood who her whole thesis for Art K is deflation is coming and inflation's not a problem. I think she is greatly misguided. She's very, cute that she can say, I have a five-year time horizon and eventually technology will play out. Most individual investors will not hold for years of losses and sell at the bottom. Um, So yeah, deflation will come from technology. Yeah. Computers cost less. Yeah. Printers cost less. Cell phones cost less. 
but yeah, generally speaking, when you add 40% of dollars, you don't get a lot of deflation. So I don't know. It depends on which deflation you're talking about. I do think we're going to have some deflation next year because of the ports, all the ports. This is what's happening today. All the, to the parents out there, what did you hear? For 60 days, you heard you can't buy Christmas presents because the stores were empty. That's what you heard. So what did you do? You rushed out and bought presents that were not on sale. You paid full retail and you were happy to do it. What is also happening? Retailers are afraid their shelves are going to be empty. So they are double and triple ordering, which is causing the ports to be even a bigger problem. The supply chain will eventually work out. Will it be March? Will it be June? Will it be December? Who cares? It will eventually work out. And then these shelves will be stuck and they'll have no warehouse space and you will see sales like you've never seen before sometime next year, I'm guessing the summer. I meant when I said last month that we should move Christmas from December to July because I don't know about you, but I saw, I don't watch a lot of TV, but I didn't see any ads for Black Friday sales. I didn't see doorbusters. I didn't see ads on my social media feed about you know some big ass screen TV. It's because they didn't have to. They were like, yeah. They're like, hey, I got no inventory, pay full boat. So again, we will have some deflation next year when, oh my God, the Gap ordered three times as many sweaters and you don't need sweaters in July. I ordered them for December. They didn't show up till July, but they're here now. I guess I got to put them on sale. So we're going to see this. It's going to be very messy next year. I don't have a lot of, I'm not big really time, happy about next year. Big time whipsaw effect. For yeah, sure. just yeah, crazy. The biggest problem I see coming for deflation is lifestyle deflation. Not so much things we spend on like housing and transportation, but I mean, and I get that everybody over 30 doesn't understand what an impact the metaverse is going to have there there are companies who will have employees wearing vr headsets mm. we're, we're not we're not going to have the commute problem we're, we're having people buying real estate in a metaverse that doesn't exist mm -hmm. that is completely online it isn't going to happen in the next two years mm -mm. but over the next several years when the tech catches up with the, the way that we can use products like that I think that's when we're going to see an actual shift in how much money a person spends in their life. Um, that can cause deflation, but it's, it's years out, yeah. but not a lot of years out. I'd say two to five is when we're going to start to see the impact. Yep. I, I think, I think that's something that definitely will start to impact. I actually was, I was started to do some research to buy some land in the metaverse. Oh my goodness. I had to at least understand what it was. I couldn't sit there and watch Reventure videos all day long. <laughs> I did the math the other day because I was thinking of making a video for the ultimate nerds out there. Yeah. And I've made about $81,000 off of selling things in video games over the last 15 years. Aggregate wow. all the way through. That's awesome. Um, that's money that exists because of things that are online that aren't real, that don't exist. True story. And it's $81,000. Yeah, it, it was a lot. When I started doing the math, I mean, there, there was one time where I basically sold everything because I had found out that um, bef just before the divorce, my ex stopped paying all of the bills for three months. And so all of a sudden, um, <laughs> oversharing. She, she was a tried treasure. She went to jail. So when she was in jail, I had to catch up on all the bills. She tried to <laughs> God. Um, so I sold everything in that Winner! game. Winner! <laughs> and that one transaction of selling everything in that game was almost nine grand. Wow. So this, this is, these become People real numbers. And there are people stuff? that are living that way 
Wow. Now, and this was, that was years ago when it was, was a long time ago. Yeah. It wasn't even starting to be a thing yet. And, and with um, somebody as big as Facebook getting behind this, yes. I think it's going to be a bigger impact than people are thinking. I think it, I think it definitely gets there. It's just going to be a matter of time and I've still got my baseball cards. So yeah. And football and basketball. I have them all. Love it. Rebecca Marin. Uh, thanks so much. My goal is financial freedom. She was one who asked about the 10 unit uh, commercial property. Awesome. Um, Eli Kohlner uh, reiterates just what was said earlier about the lease being current or COVID rules. Mm. Um, and then Death Angel PR2, is the Veterans Code still available for the course, Michael? Uh, I believe, oh, yeah. So yeah, you go ahead, use June 50, save 50 bucks, go for it. Cool. Uh, Eli Kohlner, uh, California or at least San Diego County capped rent increases for everybody up until September, 2021, as far as I understand. My management should have converted tenants to month to month in August, then one year later. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, okay. like I was saying, the, the property management firm made a mistake on that. Yeah, 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 that's, yeah. oh, yeah, yeah. I've had that happen where I rent my stuff out very, very, very rarely through a property management company. It's usually only when it's like what we're going through now and did not particularly enjoy the process. Um, and they were extremely highly recommended from a number of other landlords. And I was just like, wow, now I know why I beat you guys on all those deals because you're bad at this too. Mm. Um, because they're the only ones that could actually sit there and go, yeah, they did a great job. Nah. Mm -mm. Uh, Larry Chong, what's the best way to evaluate the refinance component of a bird deal that you're considering to buy? Ah, uh, Michael, what do you think about that? I think I've heard so many people do it badly. Agreed. Yeah. I would tell you to take whatever number you think it's going to be and subtract 15%. Yep. Fair. Most people are too aggressive. They think they're doing it right, but they're going to do something extra special and blah, 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 blah. Whack it 15%. And then hopefully you're positively surprised. I agree with that. Yep. Uh, no, they sell first. I am a, I am scout, excuse me. I am scouting around for non-QM lenders for my next few acquisitions. Is it better to go non-QM and save up your last, save your last two conventional loans for a higher rate environment and for lower down payment options? So I get what he's saying there. Yeah, right? I do too. Yeah. yeah. Go, ahead. go ahead. You yeah. first. So, yeah, I mean, I think that um, it really depends on the asset for me um, mm -hmm. because if, I, if I've got a commercial deal, like I want non-QM all, all day long now. Like, I, I mean, I had to break the news to the banker. I was just like, I love you. You're the best. But how can I go with a non-fixed rate debt, even if it's 375, when I can get fixed at four or four, yeah. four to eight? Yeah. And I'm 30 years fixed and I can sleep at night every night because five years from now, I personally think rates are in the sixes. Yeah, me too. That's me. Yeah, what um, I would tell somebody in this situation is uh, don't overthink it. If I had two loans left, two residential loans left, I'd get two residential loans. Because you don't want to overthink it. Because what happens if six months from now, they don't have 10, they have four again. I've been in that environment. That's right. Go That's get right. those last period. two. That's right. Don't don't save them for later because of this. Don't play chess when the other person's not playing chess. They might be playing hopscotch. Yeah. Go get the two loans. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't. Sometimes we overthink ourselves. Again, and I've seen an environment where you can get unlimited residential loans, go to four, go to 10. Who says it doesn't go back to four? I don't know. 
That is what happened. Uh, for those of you who don't know exactly what Mike's referring to, in 08, they instantly took the number of loans that banks could do for you and then sell to Fannie and Freddie. They instantly knocked that number from 10 assets down to four. And that left a guy like me who had five completely screwed mm -hmm. and overnight screwed. I was like, I've got five left. This is awesome. Like I was still shopping and then done. And I was like, okay, I better have another way to get these financed. Mm -hmm. Dan, any thoughts on that? No, I feel exactly the same. I was kind of in that boat when I first started four was the limit. So I got to four. It was still the limit. I focused and paid one off. Yep. So I have a single family pay, paid off property. And then it went up to 10 and rates dropped. Mm. And so my brain said, get to 10. Yeah. Get to 10 while it's an option. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. That's well done. I know they sell first. What do you do after your market has slowly changed to a 0% yield event? Mine in the Sun Belt is definitely trending there. Change investing strategy. Mm -hmm. Look Some at different asset assets. classes still yield, yielding yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, again, I've been in Fresno for 21 years and I've just had to bounce around different yeah. assets. Yep, different assets, different assets, classes. classes. Uh, Beverly Ho, when you get an inspection report back and discover there's work to be done, Beverly, there will always be work to be done. Inspection they, reports are meant to scare you. They're meant to scare you. Uh, and to try and make sure that the inspector has zero liability. <laughs> Right. That's what they're, that's what they're there for. Um, so there will always be work needing to be done. Um, so what's your strategy in approaching sellers? What percentage of the cost do you aim to have covered by the seller? Thanks. Um, so real quickly for me, I did this on a number of inspection reports in the last 60 days. Certain things were no brainers where I was like, yeah, you're going to have to pay for that because anybody else on the list is going to ask for that. Other stuff, if it's small, I don't bother. I look at the big stuff like a roof, if I know a roof is garbage or something along those lines. I also take into account what else is going on in the deal. One of those deals had nine other investors offering on it. Guess how much I asked for? Zero. Because I wanted the deal. At the end of the day, I put a number forward knowing that I'm going to pay for all that stuff mm -hmm. because I wanted the deal. Mike, I see you shaking your head. Yes. I think there's a lot in that. Again, I've been doing this a long time as you have. You got to remember where you are in the market. When it's a seller's market like it is today and there's no inventory, most of the time you're adding it to your make ready cost. It's in the spreadsheet for a reason. Mm -hmm. That said, anything that's health and safety, I will ask the seller. If the seller didn't disclose it, like for example, if the seller in the listing says, we know the roof is bad. I can't ask for that, right? I need to budget a new roof. Mm -hmm. uh, but sometimes, for example, in that example, they did not say it was, they said the roof was fine. And then my report comes back and says it needs to be replaced. There's holes and it's three layers deep and it's got to go. We're, we're going to have a conversation, right? That's a capital expense that your listing did not tell me about. Uh, but then again, if there's little things like subterranean termites, I can't tell you how many times I've seen that's a joke and a half in California. Uh, but, but if it's a buyer's market, and again, I've been doing this long enough where it is a buyer's market. I've taken my entire inspection report and said, hey, I guess I'm getting a $9,000 uh, credit full boat or I'm not buying yours. I'll buy somebody else's. I've been in, I've been in both sides. Dion? So I look at it as your strongest negotiating tool. Agreed. I've seen some inspection reports that are written differently, but the, the companies that I've used, it generally starts with a picture and description of your property and then red text saying, these are the things that really need to be taken care of. And then it breaks down top mm -hmm. to bottom, inside out, and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. I'll usually go to those red items and figure out the things that sound expensive. 
I made my offer knowing I'm probably going to be spending money to fix this place up. And unless it's something like all of the copper tubing has been stolen. Yeah. And you just didn't know that before you get there. Something weird one-off that I've never actually seen. I've seen that, by the way. Me too. (laughs) Yep. I'll take that. (laughs) And then I'll say, well, we've seen it on a campus for our truck driving school. That's why I kind of know that that's a thing. It was an outbuilding where we go up and we show a water heater, all the pipes, all the electric was gone. I mean, it cleaned it out, but not in residential. So I'll take all of that red text and some pictures and send it to the seller with a huge estimate, 20 or $30,000 that I think that this would take to repair. And there's probably two or $3,000 worth of work. Knowing that people meet in the middle, almost every time so far, they've come back with right in the middle, 15,000 or 10,000 or whatever I've offered right in the middle. And I take that off the price. I don't do it as a credit. I just take it off the actual price purchase price. So if they came back and said, no, then I'm in Matt's position where I still have the ability to go, okay, asking price stays and we continue with the deal. Hasn't happened yet. Hmm. So far, every time, and this is not just mine, this is deals I've done with the other investors. They've come back and usually met right in the middle. And uh, so be careful with your area though. Some places don't let you communicate with the seller that way and don't let you send parts of the inspection report. And especially if you're an agent, then if you are an agent on the side as a side hustle, you're held to all kinds of rules that investors don't have to even know. Well done. Um, no, they sell first. I just did a burr and it doesn't look great because of the refi. Exactly why I hate burr right now. Do not like burr deals right now. I don't like them at all. They make me extremely nervous. Um, I've okay. seen far too many appraisers mail it in in recent months on these deals. Mike, you look like you want to say something. I believe burr is an advanced strategy that a lot of unscrupulous people are, are, are pitching as the cheat code to wealth, zero down, Nothing could be further from the truth. I've seen it's more hard. people get burned by Burr than actually win. It's a lot, came harder, up in, a lot harder than you think. Good deal. That came up in Facebook this morning. I was explaining the binder strategy and they said, well, if you're not doing a rehab, how do you do the Burr method? And there was nowhere in the conversation at all. And that I know that that person's mindset is the only way to invest in real estate is the Burr strategy. And then I explained, went into a little detail of how much a burr usually cash flows and how I'm usually, I'm cash flowing an average of almost 600 a unit now mm. uh, without doing rehabs where the burr's goal is one to 200 when you pull your money out based on most people's metrics. And then Mike's right. It's an advanced strategy when you're first starting out and you have to learn all of the basics of find a tenant, screen a tenant, get a lease, all, you know, how there's a refi repair work. costs, repair costs, repair costs timelines for repairs, yeah. all uh, of those things that you could carry costs, carry uh, costs, your burn rate, supply chain, once you have, yeah, right. Like last Windows. year, everything tripled in price. Once you have a few rentals and you have the basics down and you have some cash flow to handle some mistakes, then is, is when the burst strategy makes more sense. I've been investing 10 years, still haven't done one. Hmm. I have a, a search out for properties that would make sense to do a burr with, but every time I save the down payment, I usually find a small multifamily that will get me the yield with a lot less risk and a lot less work. Cool. All right. We're going to do some rapid fire on some of these questions to make sure that, uh, yeah, that I got to drop at 11. Okay. Yep. Oh yeah. We'll, we'll be, we'll drop, drop before them for sure. All right, guys. So rapid fire, some rapid fire. We'll keep our answers to 20 seconds or less. Okay. Julie Anderson with population leaving. I would not buy in California. Um, I think California will always be okay. Unless it's like, like California is a very large state, right? I wouldn't yeah. buy in San Francisco. Fresno's yeah. I like Fresno. Fresno's great. 
A lot of people say that about California, either it's too high a cost or, you know, population is leaving. There's a huge difference in the price of property in Los Angeles County and Kern County. Correct. Yes. So it's a huge state and population is only one factor. Mm -hmm. Do you have economic drivers in the area that you're looking at? Yep. Well said. Eli Colner, San Diego is brutal. We're elite bag holders out here. <laughs> okay. I'll take your word for it. I don't know the San Diego market. Uh, Brett Denner, question for Mike. These live streams are my favorite thing and extremely helpful. What's the chance we can get some of the other experts to hop on them with you? I would have to learn how to do them because I'm a participant, not a doer here. And uh, I, I don't know. No idea. I'm, I'm, more than I'm, I'm more than happy to host those for you, Mike. <laughs> Thanks. <I> bet. <laughs> and read the questions. <laughs> That's where that Mike's going to blow up. He's gotten that big now. He's going to have a proctor on here. It's perfect. <laughs> Uh, the, the Riley, the Riley AOK -okay. morning. How long does it take you guys on average to find a tenant about, uh, about to make an offer and we are going to turn our primary into a rental Mike. Uh, if it's a single family home, which it sounds like this is just one, one last guess. If you don't have a tenant in place in two weeks, you got a problem. Yep. Dion? I maintain a, a list of people. Yes. I maintain a list of people waiting for a place to open. My longest vacancy was four days, and that's because I needed those four days to get it ready for the next person. Yeah. Um, my friend who just closed on a duplex advertised multiple applicants within two hours on just using apartments.com, and a third of them are qualified. So yeah. it's, it's fast in this market for the last five years at least. Yeah, my market's the same. It's uh, whenever I put something up, I have 30 people that see it eight that qualify. And then I pick the person. I, I throw people off the Island one at a time. Um, Death angel PR two. How long, uh, how long I have to wait to make a 1031 duplex gain 200 K in value, finish building it in August. If I can make a 1031, should I pull the trigger on a fourplex? Pretty sure it has to be capital gains money that you're moving and it doesn't hit capital gains till you've owned the asset for a year and it has to have rental income. So if you're doing a flip and it takes more than a year, but you never collected a penny in rent, that's still income. It's income, yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. uh, Nohia Kyle Yee, you guys are amazing. That's what we were thinking. Just so Mike knows, they were going to be owner-occupied on each remodel. Cool. Oh, okay, uh, and, cool. and And have tenants in there during this time. So there would be no vacancies and it was in a good neighborhood. Nice. Oh, cool. There you go. All right. Uh, Death Angel PR2. Uh, what you guys think it's going to happen with all the virus thing and the mess with the economy? How can first-time homebuyers deal with a crash? See video from yesterday. <laughs> I do not see yeah. a crash. So. No, uh -uh. We, we still don't see a crash. I mean, for those of you who are watching, we still don't see a crash. Um, crashes, and just to know, crashes are, in my eyes, I think in the other guy's eyes too, it's above 20%. Yeah. 20%. And a 20% correction in any sort of a time period, uh -uh. you'll see slowdowns, you'll see transactions dry up, you'll see a 20% drop in transactions. For sure. But you won't see a 20, and you might even see a 50% drop in transactions over a month or two period if they get crazy with rates, but you're not going to see the values crash. There's a very big difference, transactions versus value. Because that's still, that, that crash is still more inventory, in more inventory driven. Uh, Brett Before we get out of here for this yeah, live stream, I would please. like to give away a set of the books from oh, Michael okay. Zuber, the autographed books. And All I'm right. going to say it so we can get in the chat before we close out. The first person in the chat to name 
this ship, not the class of ship, but the name of this ship, will get a copy of Michael Zuber's One Rental at a Time book and his book, 15 Conversations with Real Estate Millionaires, a signed set. That's a ship? That's a ship. <laughs> it looked like a dinosaur. Mike loses. You're not getting your books. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Apparently, we will never run into Mike at Comic-Con. No. Um, what is that? <laughs> give up. <laughs> the same chances we'll get Dion to an NBA All-Star game. There you go, yeah. yeah. I got season tickets, Dion. I'll take you. Yeah, exactly. All right. I'm pretty uh, sure I actually uh, think that's baseball. That, no, basketball. Basketball. Yeah. NBA. Yeah. See, I knew that. So, uh, never watched Brett, the game. Denner, Brett Denner, I sold my League of Legends account that was mad EIN beta for nearly six grand. Yep. Yeah, sounds about right. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, let's see. Oh, crap. There we go. Um, <laughs> I, just I love Julie's what? comment, the next one. <laughs> oh, no. I missed it. Oh, no, you'll see it. Go ahead. Sorry. Okay. I, I was reading. No, no, <laughs> Michael reading ahead. Um, let's see. Uh, da -da 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 -da. You guys are amazing. Probably just saved us a major headache. Great advice. We don't know what we would have done without you guys. Happy to do it um we can can we please screen any future friends or wives of dion <laughs> that's the one that made me laugh <laughs> dion i'm gonna do we're gonna do like a we'll do a, a dating session much like this i'll take care of the tech we'll do a dating session much like this we'll like leave their screen blank because that way you can't know who they are we'll do like a bachelor thing for you I, i'm financially independent i don't know if i'm financially free enough to be able to afford to go on a date yet still working on that <laughs> Hey, you know what? Needs versus wants, my man. Right there. Needs versus wants. Uh, Death Angel PR2. PS, love this group. You're very welcome. We appreciate that. Dion, I want to see a live uh, see a live of you playing World of Warcraft. See, I, I, knew wonder, what I was wondering what WoW was. Wow was. was. I knew it. Mike didn't know what WoW was. Wow. <laughs> and the funny thing is, I'm not a gamer. I don't have. I don't play any games, but I know what they are. You. I, I, I would have never gotten there. World of Warcraft. Yeah, it was never. a side. It was a side hustle for me, and yeah. it was how I taught my kids how to type because it was huh. a game that came out before you had voice chat. So to interact in the game, they had to type to people. So my kids were my employees because I sold the stuff that they got in the game wow. that they got to play a game. Yes, yes. There we go. Um, Chester Williams laughing at Julie Anderson. That was a good joke. Uh, Nohia Kyle Yee Lumberjack. Are you still on on track for your course next year? Yes, I am. Um, we've kind of outlined everything, kind of put everything together, um, honestly. And, you know, I can say this in front of these guys, because, you know, I think the big thing for me is what Mike's done in his course, I can't improve on. <laughs> I can't improve on it. There's the core of what's there. I can't improve on It's exactly he put words to my music that I lived for years. He lived it, too. So there's no point in me covering buy boxes and things like that. The things where I can kind of pick up the gap on is all the hands-on landlording that I did and all the self-management and the repair type of stuff I look at. That's where I think I can help people out the most because I've done it all and now I hire it all out. And now I know when I go through a house, I have a punch list of making it lumberjackified. Mm. And so that's where we're going to try and help people. So certainly we'll have cheat code to wealth in there, but there's going to be a lot more to it on the self-management and actually on the repair side. And then on the rehab side, because mm -hmm. at that point, I know product cold. Um, and I've set up a lot of people with that contact at American flooring, by the way, guys, I'm a full-time eater of my own dog food. I just placed a $15,000 order for more flooring. 
So, and these guys are coming together, they're running low on supply because supply chain, but yeah, it's, so yeah, that's, so we are still on track and that's what my focus is going to be. Cause like I said, but you know what, honestly, we're going to refer to Mike's course a lot because buy box is so important and yield or return on capital is so important. So we're going to refer to that. So don't bother waiting for mine. Buy Mike's, mine will build on top of that to take you time to that next level if you decide you want self-management and doing a lot of things that Dion and I do kind of on, on, on the reg. And tenant selection and all that other good, fun, happy stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, how you have uncomfortable conversations with tenants. I'm really good at that. Um, I just hope, so we'll only be able to sell that because I can't put that live on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, John Williams, uh, if you, if, if you three are the three amigos of FI, is Reventure El Guapo? <laughs> I mean, suppose. <laughs> well, well done, John Williams. Uh, Brett Denner. So there's a startup named Nomad that has been poaching me. The core of their business is guaranteeing long-term tenants. They pay you out of their pocket and charge the tenant. Take a 4% cut. Thoughts? Are they managing the tenant or are they just placing the tenant? Uh, they find the place, so they find and place the tenant, include in the deal is a 10K warranty for any damages the tenant causes. So they're just placing. Yeah. They're going to be out of business soon. Yeah. You've... Hate Finding... the model. Yeah. It sounds, yeah. Sounds risky. Pretty, pretty easy. To it might be the one thing that some investors struggle with is finding a tenant. Maybe. Managing a tenant, maybe not be the hard, maybe they, they might have a business model that would work. I don't, I don't know any uh-huh. investors myself who would go for it, but we've had the question where it comes up often. How do you find a tenant? How do you screen a tenant? So there's a, a service that they could provide. Maybe. They'd have to do the math on whether it made sense for them to do it or not. I don't know that I would use that service because you have to, you have to screen out tenants. You don't have to hunt to find a tenant. Right. Honestly, the easiest thing you can do to get somewhere near market rents call your housing authorities they have lists of people lists of people you know lists (laughs) you know right now just between the two housing authorities and the COVID assistance program they need 160 units that means if i had 160 units in two weeks i could fill them all with guaranteed government money guaranteed so yeah, be looking at the right programs. I don't think that they're, I think that they're definitely, there's also companies out there that will give you the down payment for your home and they want a piece of the equity when you go to sell. Mm-hmm. I think that is going to be very interesting to see what happens because I personally think that depending on how they can call that money out, I think you might have a problem. Um, because I don't see values going up forever. And any business that's built around host appreciation, see Zillow. Let me know how that went for them. Uh, Matthew D. Diono, I think. I thought you can't do non-QM before conventional because conventional has a limit of 10 mortgage properties. So they would count the non-QM properties against the 10 limit. I did conventional first. Nope. They're two completely separate entities. Uh, non-QM is not selling your stuff to Fannie Freddie. They're selling it probably to an insurance company in all likelihood. And, um, and any of the under tens are always going to be GSE, uh, government sponsored entities by Fannie and Freddie. Right. Um, And it's a limit of 10 of those backed mortgages. If you have four of four 
of those and four that are non-QM, you have a total of four of your 10 used. It doesn't, they don't go together. Yeah. And know thyself first uh, asked, answered that as well. Uh, Chester Williams, the first time I've heard Mike refer to himself as a spectator, <laughs> we should challenge Michael to try and host the next three Amigos FI live stream. No, uh, not going to happen. No, I'm very comfortable <laughs> saying no. <laughs> I know what it took to do this. There's no way Mike's doing it. <laughs> no chance. <laughs> it's below his pay grade. Yes. Not interesting. <laughs> Let the ninth grade dropout take care of the tech. Unreal. It's awesome. Uh, all right, let's see. Uh, John Williams, Seren Serenity, Chester Williams, Serenity. So is, that's a game, right? So oh, no, that's the ship. That's the ship. So Mike, that that's the winner of the name. He named the ship. That's the name of the John ship. Williams. Yep. So yeah. John Williams, instant message Mike or get a hold of him through his email and let him know your address. You have the books coming. So that was the correct answer. Correct. Seren what movie is that from? So there's a TV series called Firefly. Oh, most people call that the Firefly ship. Oh, but the right. name of the ship was Serenity. Serenity. Okay, so it's a spaceship, not Correct. an airplane or something. It's okay. Cowboys it's a, in it's space. It's a boat, Mike. <laughs> so I didn't know it looked like a dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually a Yahtzee container, but you know, whatever. Yeah, whatever. All right, Serenity. Okay. All right, John, get, DM me your address. We we'll get you. Yeah, John Williams. DM Mike. Um, Eli Colner. Shiny. Yep. Uh, Matthew <laughs> D. Iono, Razor Crest. Those are all games, right? That's a game, right, Dion? Razor I've Crest? never heard of the Razor Crest, and now I'm I, my nerd failed here. Oh, it, what, that is tough. That's like stumping that's tough to do. <laughs> yeah. Um, before passing, not after. Um, Jermio, uh, Journeyal Diaz, thank you for spending your time with us. What are you all doing for the holidays, Michael? What are you doing for the holidays? Uh, my daughter's in town, so it's about spoiling uh, her and Olivia. That sounds awesome. Dion? I am picking my son and daughter-in-law up at the airport and then doing a dinner at home. Very nice. Very nice. Yeah. I will be... Um... Well, you actually have Santa Claus coming. So you're doing the whole milk and cookies tonight? Let me, let me help you out. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> Yeah, there's no I got the color. Here. I just need to put this color in your beard. <laughs> yeah. so. There's so my kids. No, there's no Santa. They will be ruining other children's. Oh, you're you're that guy. I'm that guy. Yep. Oh, my yeah. kids are in their 20s, and they think there's a Santa because the only way to get anything from Santa is to believe. So, <laughs> ah, there we go. So I ruined that for your Dion's kids. I'm sorry. There is a Santa Claus. My four-year-old and two-year-old know there isn't, but it's cool. <laughs> so yeah no santa, oh, no santa oh yeah yeah we told we told well we literally we actually tell them when we go out and drive around and look at houses we say we buy these houses we take care of them we give people a place to live they pay us to live there and the money that we make for them to live there buys your your christmas oh okay so you tie so it we use it as a financial lesson yeah all right that works yeah oh i offended dion He's probably going to run and he's going to go get his Santa's machine. I can't tell me there's no Santa. I actually know there's a Santa. No, my, my mug was getting empty. So. All right. Tony Carr. SS Minnow. What the hell? Nice. Otherwise known as Gilligan's ship. Boat. No code on. Mike's course is so much more in reality than the courses I bought before. Yeah. So real quickly. 
Um, Mike's One Rental at a Time, How to Start One Rental at a Time. That course is absolutely fantastic. Dion's in it. I'm in it. <clears throat> Mike's ever diminishing role in it because he continues to add so much more content. But the, the concepts that are there, the core of what is there is enough to get you started one rental at a time. And then he's done an amazing job at bringing in amazing experts, yours truly and Dion. Um, and then like a, 18 others, 16 others. Yeah, with more coming. I have a lot, big old list coming in January. I already have content stacking up. I want to release it in January. Stacking content. So it's the the course is worth its weight in gold. Buy it now before it goes up. It's $2.99 now. I imagine it's going to $9,995 after the first. Yeah, just up. Yeah. So, uh, but well, well worth it. Don, thanks so much for the feedback. Uh, take Mike to Comic Con and have him meet up in San Diego in early July. <laughs> nice. Um, and John Williams, uh, the class of ship is Firefly. Yep, nailed that too. Chester Williams, congrats that John Williams got an early Christmas gift. Yes, he did. Great book. If Olivia saw what Comic Con is, she would not let Mike go. Probably. Probably. Yeah. I think I've heard of Comic Con. I think my daughter went to Comic Con once when she was really. Oh, younger. then we're not going to tell you what Comic Con is if your daughter went. <laughs> yeah, I think I think she did. I have to ask her. I know she talked about it. I don't know if she actually went though. Is she into? Is she into the same as like the gaming and the? Comic no, but or the... some of her friends were, as I recall. This is again. This is like twenty years ago, right? She's in her thirties, so. But, yeah. yeah. Okay. Mike, what are you saying? You're in your thirties. You can't go to Comic Con. No, no, I'm saying it's been 20 years since she said Comic-Con, so I'm trying gotcha. to remember what she was doing back then. Sailor Moon, I think, was that a thing? Or is that a thing? That was a thing. So that's what I remember. Because she bought, wow. she, had, she had, well, I remember she dressed it for Halloween one time. And I remember because I had to search for something, I had no idea what it was. Yeah, that was not fun for me. Yeah. That's good dadding right there. Oh, of course. You got to, yeah, yeah Sailor Moon. I don't have any idea where that came from. That just popped that's in my head. That's awesome. Uh, let's see. Uh, the goal of uh, Chester Williams, the goal of 2022 for everyone, positive return on investment. Agreed. Do great deals, people. Mm -hmm. Do great deals and get the, uh, and if you're on the bench, take the splinters out of your ass and do something. Mm -hmm. Ho, ho, ho. Um, Adam Calhoun, congratulations, John Scott Coleman. Will the 2022 midterm elections be decided on Definitive proof of whether or not Santa Claus is real. <laughs> um, I, 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 uh, yeah, the, I, I think those 2022 midterm elections are going to be brutal for one side. Uh, I think that there's going to be a lot of people getting up and walking out there and making sure to make their feelings known on exactly how difficult things have been and uh, how Washington seemingly been tone deaf. That's just my feeling. Um, Anthony Russell, I'm in Atlanta market and finding rehab deals on MLS. Why are so many people biased against listed deals? Love your content, fellas. Um, I think it's because a lot of people feel like they have to get like the super special squirrel secret squirrel approach. All of us, literally all of us all do deals on MLS. It's just not our own. It's not our only deal source. I retired financially yes. free yes. on MLS deals. Yes. Never did a deal off market until after I was retired. So I think like a I, week ago, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say the last thing I'll say on this topic is I think a lot of people bash on the MLS because they're not willing to do the work. They don't know what a deal is. So they get comfortable with idiot channels saying price is high, price is high. And you're not even doing the work. So um, I get very annoyed with people that don't do the work, hence do the work. 
It, like a week ago, anything. Graham Stephan had Brandon Turner from Bigger Pockets on his coffee hour for an that. hour. I saw that. And Graham Stephan was talking about when he made his content, he thought it was be evergreen. It would last forever because how you buy real estate is you go on the MLS and you find a property that's for sale 20% less than what it's worth. Because 2013, 14, 15, that was possible. Absolutely. He said he got out of real estate because you can't find those deals anymore. So you're right. If you need to find, like me, Kevin says, a wedge deal where there's this big gap between what's really worth and what you're paying to make money, those don't exist. What we have in the current market is you need to find a property that will have cash flow that will yield what you need it to right on the MLS using traditional lending. Things like the binder strategy help because you can get rents closer to area average than what they're at when you're buying as long as you're not in a rent control area. But doing the work every day to find the deal on the MLS is still possible and it still works. Yeah, MLS, MLS. In fact, um, I always keep my last five deals that I did. And uh, as far as where I bought them, three MLS, three, three MLS, sorry, three MLS. Yeah, I was like three MLS. See, it's count like my son. He's four. Uh, or actually more like my daughter at two. Um, but yeah, three MLS, um, one wholesale deal and one off market. That's what my last five were. Um, all right, we're wrapping up. Uh, we got a couple more minutes left. Um, Jess Williams, thank you as always, gentlemen. P.S. Buy Michael's course now. Do not wait until 2022. I agree with Chester. Anthony Russell, I used to handle Comic Con transportation for a division of Warner Brothers. That must have been fun. Uh, San Diego, a zoo, but a blast. Oh yeah, I can only imagine. That brought a whole brought a whole new meeting to a zoo in San Diego. Um, John Williams, my daughter's name is River. Oh cool. Yep. Don, Comic-Con, nothing like OzFest. No, it is nothing like OzFest. <laughs> nope. Um, Journey Diaz, just curious, how much is Mike's course going up? I purchased it already, but just wondering. Mike, do you want to reveal that? A lot. Perfect. For those of you trying to quantify a lot, figure it out. I have no idea what a lot is. Um, it's subjective. Uh, honestly, I, so I look at courses all the time because I'm trying to do my own coursework and trying to figure out what a course should be. And I can tell you if Mike's course went to a thousand bucks, it'd still be wicked cheap. Legitimately. I've done the, I've done the math. I've done the numbers, the number of people that are in the course, the data that's provided, the fact that it's all in one place that you search for nothing. You just click download on that next chapter. A thousand bucks is cheap. Hopefully Mike wasn't listening. Um, Rob, need trivia for Dion. What is Firefly based on, Dion? Oh, the series is really The Black Ocean, but I don't know the names of the book. But I can quote from the series In Space They Can't Hear You Scheme. I've listened to those. Um, yeah, so I'm I will have to Google it. That's the name out. of it. <laughs> clearly missing out. Whole yeah. part of the world. I, I have the audio. Dion has all the free time that I don't have because I'm working. I'm self managing and flipping my own properties. Like it's horrible. <laughs> I can be playing all these fun games, um, or living the lifestyle. Pallavi Patel uh, got on halfway, but enjoyed. Appreciate all three of you providing the best encouraging education on REI. Merry Christmas to all the ORAT team. Best on earth. Appreciate you, mm -hmm. Jerry Davis. Merry Christmas to all three of you. Thank you for giving of your time for us. All right, guys, we have three minutes left. No more questions. Let's do our Christmas wishes for folks. Dion, you are up first, good sir. Well, so this is good and bad. <clears throat> I hope you have the year you deserve. This next year. <laughs> if you've put in the work, it's going to be amazing. If you sit on the sidelines, you're going to be on the sidelines. 
Yeah, that, that one smarted a little. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're okay, Michael. See, Mike can't be or Matt can't be the only mean one here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that if one. They was, deserve an guys, amazing the mean beer, one is my thing. I'm the Chewbacca mean one. I'm the mean Chewbacca. <laughs> yeah, so I'll close I'll close with something very simple. And that is the difference between a spectator and a player is a choice. Everyone can decide to do it or not. It is on you. And I will no longer judge people that choose to be spectators. I just can't help you because I don't speak your language. So coming from a ninth grade dropout, that's right. I just eliminated your excuse. I was a ninth grade dropout. What more of an excuse do I need? I could have absolutely been pumping your gas, but I'm not. So at the end of the day, we all do this. We all make the money that we make from our units and from managing our real estate businesses. We do this because we genuinely want to help people. We all come from different paths of life. What I love about Mike's channel, what I love about spending time with Dion and all the, all the guys and all the folks that we spend this time with is that they're all real people. And almost all of them came from nothing, literally nothing. And so if you're just like, I can't do it, I'm not good enough. You might largely be right about that, but you're going to have to do the work because no one's going to do the work for you. So you know what? The only way that you can get going is by making the commitment yourself to get in the game and start to learn and understand and create a skill that will give you a return on any investment that you make on it. And with your most valuable investment being time, I can tell you the more time that you put in, the more skill you'll get out. And that just equals how much more money you can make. So I would encourage everybody to really think about that over the next week. And do you want next Christmas to be different than this Christmas? And if you do, then you better start taking action because the fact of the matter is there's plenty of people getting in the game and you're just gonna be that much further behind. So if you want next Christmas to be any different than this Christmas, might as well start a week early, get your mind right, start getting your money right, and start thinking about how you're going to make that happen in 2022. Gentlemen, as always, love spending time with you. I'm going to go not be Santa for my kids and uh, have some fun. I'm sure I hear cackling out there. I don't know if it's crying or laughing, but we'll find out very soon. Gentlemen, as always, have a blast. We'll talk to you guys soon. Later. Take care. Ciao. See you, Dion.